Hey and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast sponsored by Age Plastering with myself, Seamus Baum. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, Southstand Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o. It's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode number 286. This is our season roundup, the finale. Now the season is finally over, we're going to take a look back and punish you a bit more with the 46 games that we've played. A few special guests, it's fair to say. Very pleased to... um, to be welcoming some special guests onto the show later on. Uh, But for the final time, as always, we start with a word from our podcast sponsor. Yeah, so for the final time, like the bearded legend has said, the podcast is sponsored by AGF Plastering. They are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company who cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And you all know this by now, and if you don't, then we haven't done our jobs properly as podcast sponsors over the last three years. They offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So for more information and for the truly best plastering rating the prices anywhere you will ever find, you can go and visit their website, www.ajfplastering.co.uk. Or you can email the team, ajfplastering.outlook.com. They're on social media under Age of Plastic on Facebook and on Instagram. And for the very last time introducing the podcast, a massive thank you to Adam and all the team at AGF. It's been a wonderful three years. Uh, and like we said in last week's podcast, where we were joined by Adam, made a friend for life, a great bloke, great company. And we wish Adam and AJF Blasting all the best in their future endeavours but it does mean that there is an opportunity for somebody else to take that spot as headline podcast sponsor. So if you're interested, if you've got a business you're looking to push, um, please get in touch with us. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Orient Outlook. You can email us, orientoutlook at outlook.com. We can have a chat with you about that if you're interested. So let's crack on, Mr Nussbaum. I think this is going to be a bit of a bumper one. Um, obviously, people can probably tell we are uh, separated tonight. Unfortunately, I am testing positive for COVID at the moment, so it is in our health interests to keep separate tonight. So we will do our best to put forward a show for you. So shall we crack on? Let's do it. So the season is over. Like Paul has said, this is our season finale of the 2021-2022 season. It's fair to say that all those fans were excited, had high expectations for this one following the appointment of Kenny Jackie. I remember being out with you, Paul, the night before Kenny Jackie was appointed and with John from uh, Carroll Langley Florence. We were so excited when that appointment was made. We couldn't yeah. believe it. We had King Kenny Jackie. We all thought promotion was given. We'd signed players in the summer like Dan Prattley from Charlton who we all got excited about. And players who we got less excited about who we hadn't heard of like Harry Smith, Aaron Drynan, Connor Woods, yeah. Tom James, Omar Beckles, I think, who we were all impressed with came from a high division. Uh, a crew and Paul Smith who everyone was really really excited about from QPR so made some really good signings adding to that the loan signings of Alex Mitchell from Millwall and a certain Theo Archibald from Lincoln and we were all happy we were all buzzing ready for the new season it's fair to say expectations were high and also a lot of National League winners had left the club once their contracts had expired so it felt like a real new a real new start and a real new chapter in the in the next phase of Leighton Orient yeah, I agree. I do remember also slightly negatively that we were all complaining about the fact that we'd signed two strikers, arguably, that had quite poor records and quite didn't come exactly with a, a golden uh, 
a scoring record. And I remember us in the in the sort of relatively new podcast episodes after their signings that you know let's see them play in an Orient shirt, let's see them play in a Kenny Jacket system. That that still that message still rings in my head today. And how well how right we were to say that because how well that they did do for the first part of the season. Yeah, they certainly did. There were a few pre-season friendlies. We're not going to talk about the pre-season friendlies, but it's fair to say a few players impressed, a few decent results, and one all yeah. at home to Tottenham, if you remember, where Royal Satori scored a decent goal and some decent performances. So we were all happy and buzzing. The season got underway in August as we went away to Salford. We got a hard-earned, decent one all away draw. Unlucky not to win the game. Decent performance saw us take a point in this one. Beckles pass ahead from close range, a new hero to the Orient faithful. And just after the half-hour mark, Salford didn't clear the danger from their corner. But they equalised with a stomping goal eight minutes later in the first half with a thunderbolt of shots. They had the ball in that a bit later on, but that was ruled out for offside. The game came to a close. Decent point at one or A few players impressed. I remember Paul Smith played most of this one. We were all pretty impressed with him and were all excited about what he was going to be able to mm. do throughout the season but a tough opener and I think it's fair to say we were all pleased with a point at that one 100% we were then at home for our first home game of the season and the return of fans into Brisbane Road for the first time since the uh, the pandemic uh, we, we faced QPR in the Carabao Cup that was the first round and after a thrilling one all draw over the 90 minutes it went straight to penalties unfortunately we lost 5-3 uh, as Ruel blazed his penalty uh, over the bar. Uh, Rob Dickey headed QPR ahead from a corner in the 16th minute, but Aaron Drynan levelled the scores after a Tom James long throw-in was headed on by Beckles and Drynan held off XO Moses Odebajo to smash it home. The QPR keeper pulled off a game-saving save from point-blank range from Royal Satoriu, uh, one of his shots later in the game, but it just wasn't meant to be our night. And we bowed out quite gracefully and we gave a really good account of ourselves. I remember QPR made quite a lot of changes to their side, although that Rob Dickey had played um, for them in the championship. So, um, yeah, Mark Warburton is uh, is no fool either. Good manager. Yeah, decent performance that one. And again, QPR brought quite a lot of support and it felt great to be back at Brisbane Road and still a lot of people who we hadn't seen in a long time. So no shame in that one. So out of the Carabao Cup at the first stage. On the following Saturday, it was our first home league game of the season and a visit of Exeter City, who always do well. But it's fair to say we were an absolute fire. A lovely sunny day, this one. We won the game 3-0. Having Dryan and open the scoring in the seventh minute. I'm a Beckles got a second in the 25th. And the points were sealed in the 76th minute as Theo Archibald completed a wonderful team goal. And well, Vigaru also saved a penalty. So all in all, an absolutely perfect day. Strong opposition, great performance, a clean sheet. And Theo Archibald already looking like a hell of a player. And Omar Beckles as well. Two in two games from him, seeming like a centre-back who can not only defend well, but get you lots of goals. So four points from the opening, two games, which were seen as very difficult games. So mm. again, we were all very happy with that at the start of the season. Absolutely. We were up north next. The long, One of the longest journeys we make is up to Carlisle, as you probably know. Despite going a goal behind early, a nice finish from Harry Smith ensured that we got a point as the game finished one all to make it three league games unbeaten for Kenny Jacket. So by this time, you think, oh, you know, we're three unbeaten. We've played Salford, played Exeter. Um, Carlisle, obviously, you kind of um, don't really count them as a side that you 
get turned over by particularly, but we've, we, you've got to be thinking now, I, th- I remember vaguely thinking at the time, like this is the, the start of something. This is how a league promotion seasons start. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. Dryden had already scored a couple, Harry Smith scored in that one, so the forwards who were being questioned were already off the mark. But next up was Harrogate Town. It was a Tuesday night, this one. First league loss of the season. We lost this one, as you'll all remember. We lost this one 2-0. Kenny made three changes to the side who drew against Carlisle. And Armstrong, who was a, had a great performance this one, to be fair to him, he got both goals. He scored, he opened the scoring after seven minutes. As Prattley miscontrolled Kipriano's heavy pass. We turned over possession and happy didn't stop the cross from coming in. And Armstrong made it 1-0 from close range. Their second came on the half-hour mark and Vigoru uncharacteristically did not deal with Thompson's shot at his near post. Happy again didn't react quick enough and Armstrong prodded home. We did get way back into it we got a penalty Harry Smith stepped up his penalty was saved as Oxley got down early and quickly the game petered out after that as we succumbed to our first league defeat of the season by losing at home to Harrogate yeah I, I remember making a note at the time to a man we were poor and the goals we conceded were not usual like from the previous sort of four or five games that we played so yeah a bit of a blip there yeah, certainly um, was. Another home game straight after that one. Bradford City came to this road again. Bradford City are always up there when people talk about who they think will be around the top end of the league yeah. table. First half, tough, wasn't spectacular. A very different O side in the second half. We used to open the scoring in the 66th minute as we're still scratching our heads, wondering how he actually scored from the angle. What He got it in a long Tom James throwing, bounced kindly into the box. So Toyo let it bounce across him at an obscene angle, like we said, smash it across the Bradford keeper to make it 1-0. Harry Smith got the game second. He has hit a long-range pole driver in the 82nd minute. He went and slid, if you remember, in front of the away fans. Lighters were thrown at him. He threw one back. The Bradford fans went absolutely ballistic at him. <laughs> but we saw the game out. We won 2-0. And a very, very good performance and bounce back from the previous Tuesday night's defeat. Yeah, one of my goals of the season, that one, Ruel's one. He had no right to score that. If that was in the Championship or the Premier League, they'd all be going mental about how good that was because of the goal I think Brentford scored today um, from a really tight angle. And uh, they were all going crazy on the commentary for that one. So imagine if they'd have seen Ruel's one. So that meant the end of August league table saw us in, saw us in sixth position. We'd played five, one, two, drawn two, lost one. We had a positive goal difference of three at this point. So let's move on then to September. A Newport County away kicked off the month. We got to play on their brand spanking new pitch. I don't think they'd been able to play at home throughout August um, because of the renovation works that had gone on their pitch previous season. It was absolutely appalling. So no... No doubt, uh, yeah, no, no qualms about why they changed it. What a beautiful looking pitch it was as well. Harry Smith took advantage, put us ahead in the 34th minute from a corner, only for Newport to equalise from the penalty spot in the second minute of additional time at the end of the first half. But fear not though, Smith again was on target in the 53rd minute after a nice move down the left, saw a good cross um, from him and he headed home. Uh, Newport equalised through Golden Boot winner. We didn't know at the time, but obviously it transpires that Dom Telford um, put them ahead in the 80th minute after some poor Orient defending from a long throw-in. So again, slipping up there again. Yeah, it was coming, well, not a pattern yet, but losing a lead 
late on in a game where we only got a point instead of all three. But a new ball away point wasn't seen as a bad result at the time. So next up, we had Oldham Athletic at home. Thoroughly, thoroughly convincing win. We ran up 4-0 winners in this one. We saw goals from Aaron Drynan and Tom James in the first half. Both good goals, if I remember rightly. Theo Archibald had an amazing game. Scored a very, very good third goal for the O's where he had no right to keep the ball, let alone score, to make it 3-0. Harry Smith got a rebound in, if I remember rightly, to make it 4-0 and to wrap up the scoring. And a very special game for yourself, Mr. Levy, that one. Yeah, first one I took took my son to. Um, So, yeah, it was a fantastic game. Lots of goals. He saw Theo the football. I still still don't know how Theo... um, uh, managed to squeeze between the two Oldham defenders that I think it was Pier Gianni and one of the others that had kind of um, tag teamed on him, but he ended up coming away with it and scored uh, scored his goal. So that was a sign for me that Theo was really going to be a pretty special player. Um, next game for us, and we'll keep this one short and sweet, uh, as we had a break from league action as we faced Southampton's under-23 side in the Football League trophy, and that was Anthony Papadopoulos's single goal uh, and only goal in an orange shirt in his professional career that ensured we walked away with a 1-0 win and all three points. Very nicely done. I think it's worth mentioning at this point as well that Paul Smith was already going to be out for a while. He hopefully played a bit in the opening games of the season, but got an injury and we knew he was out, but didn't know how long he'd be out for. But at this point, he was the only missing absentee as the O's were flying and they continued to fly as we went away to Bristol Rovers. Again, another amazing day, all three points and a very convincing 3-1 win and an amazing first half where we were 3-0 up. First of all, a diving header from Harry Smith made it 1-0. A thunderbolt from Theo Archibald from outside the box made it 2-0 and Aaron Dryan capped off an amazing first half as he added us into a three-goal Lead. That's the way the game stayed until the 92nd minute as Bristol Rovers got a consolation penalty, which Brett Pritman went up and scored after Shadogi was harshly punished for coming together. But fear not, we won the game 3-1. At that point, it looked like a certain Joey Barton was going to be given his marching orders from Bristol Rovers. There was only one way we were looking at going, and there was only one way they were looking at going, but how quickly football can change. Yeah, absolutely right. We ended September with what turned out to be a tough game against Mansfield, who who had XO's Jordan Bowery and Danny Johnson in their ranks. Mansfield, at this point, had only won two of their eight league games, so expectations of a win were soon dampened when it was clear that they came for a big draw. Uh, three big penalty shouts were ignored. Ruel Satoru hit the post and Aaron Drynan fired wide as the game finished goalless. But despite this, we ended the month of September unbeaten, having won three and drawn two of our matches. Yeah, so league table then, played nine at this point, one four, drawn four, one defeat, goal difference of plus nine and 16 points. So four points behind the Forest Green Rovers, who were in first place. So end of September, uh, everyone's still very hopeful and not a bad start to this season as well as we move in October. We do. First match of the month was away at Port Vale. And if you remember, former Man U striker James Wilson headed Port Vale ahead early doors just in the sixth minute as we didn't deal with a cross and a subsequent header across the goal. But on the hour mark, Aaron Drynan was played in and his shot deflected off Jones and into the Vale goal to level the scores. I think it's fair to say, though, we all thought Tom James' superb long-range pile driver was the winner in the 86th minute 
after he picked up a sloppy pass in the midfield. But oh no, not Orient. That is just not the way we do things. Politic uh, was alone just inside the Orient box in the first minute uh, of additional time at the end of the second half. And his fierce shot managed to beat Lawrence Vigarou. And Vale sealed all three points two minutes later through Jamie Proctor as we were carved open and he fired home as the game ended 3-2 to the hosts. Bitterly disappointing that one. That's a hard one to take. Yeah, especially when we all fought in the 86 minutes we won the game. There was a Tom Jane shot that crept past the keeper. So we thought we had done enough in that one, but it wasn't meant to be. So on Tuesday night, we were on the road again, back in Football League trophy action as we travelled to Crawley Town. We absolutely spanked this lot, beating them 4-0. We opened the scoring in the seventh minute. Sui somehow squeezed the ball between Glenmorris and the post to make it 1-0. Dan Happy got on a score sheet as well. Superb crossing to him from Tom James. He looped the header over the keeper to make it two. Real Satoru extended the lead in the 59th minute, made it 3 0 after Crawley allowed a long frame to reach him towards the far post and he fired home. And game set the match in the 78 minutes. Dan Kemp got a crucial touch on the ball to beat Morris to ensure the O's qualified into knockout stages with a game to spare. So, very nice two wins in that competition out of two. And all we had to worry about was the next group game that we'll come on to slightly later in the podcast. That's right. It's a third away trip on the bounce for us, though, as we made the long trip up to Barrow. Got to put Barrow ahead just after half-time and some sloppy passing, after some sloppy passing out from our defence. But we were level in the 69th minute through Omar Beckles after he poked home from a corner to make it one all, which is just how the game ended. Yeah, so a point on the road there for the O's, and I think it's fair to say most O's fans thought we would take all three. So the week after that, we were finally back at home. We hosted Walsall. This one, not much to talk about at all. Nil-nil draw. Both sides having chances. Remember, Connell Wilkinson came on in the second half, almost scored one of those games where the ball wasn't going to go into the net. At this point, the W's were seizing up a little bit. The D column was starting to rise up a little bit and the loss column was not really doing much. So a lot of draws at this point where a win and a loss would be better than two draws, obviously. So hard to beat, but not actually winning matches like yeah. we were earlier in the season at this point already, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We then had another home game as we hosted high-flying Forest Green Rovers under the floodlights on a Tuesday night. They were under pressure as they hadn't won in their previous six games. Matt Stevens put Forest Green ahead with a bullet header from a corner, but Ruel Satoru equalised eight minutes later in the 76th minute as Tom James cleared the ball upfield. The ball fell kindly to Theo Archibald, who found Ruel Satoru with a defence-splitting pass, if you remember rightly, and he made no mistake from a quite difficult angle to score, and the game finished 1-1. Yeah, so not a bad point there. Next up, short away trip as we went up the M1 at Stevenage. Again, not much to speak about in this one. Some missed opportunities for both teams. Another D on the table for the O's. Good opportunities, no goals. I think we had the better of those chances, but if I remember rightly, I think Harry Smith had two headers in particular that we all look back on and be disappointed that he didn't score. So not a loss, but not a win. Another draw on the road for the O's against Stevenage. Yeah, we ended the month at home to Hartlepool, who had started the season well and were above us in the league before the start of the game. But on a lovely autumnal day in E10, it was Orient 
who ran rampant, running 5-0 winners. Aaron Drynan started the scoring in the 20th minute with a neat finish into the bottom corner. The O's doubled the lead in the 35th minute as Craig Clay forced Hartlepool to give up possession and Aaron Drynan passed through to Harry Smith, who was in acres of space and he made no mistake. Now this game, you will remember, for not footballing reasons necessarily, because if you remember rightly, the referee finished the half 30 seconds early and without playing any additional time. So the players came out and played four and a half minutes of the first half and then started the second half, if you remember that. All very, very, very bizarre. Um, yeah, so they all, the referee ended the half, everybody went in, they came out, played four and a half minutes and then switched around and started the second half. But the second half, there was more good pressing. This time, Theo Archibald saw Hartlepool... Uh, dispossessed, the ball came to Aaron Drynan who fed the overlapping Tom James who buried our third goal in the 56th minute and Alex Mitchell sorry, Mitchell in the Hartlepool goal made a poor clearance under more pressure ball fell to Drynan whose amazing controlling touch and chip if you remember uh, from the edge of the box meant that we were 4-0 up in the 84th minute, Drynan secured his hat-trick and made it 5-0 as he capitalised on a loose ball after Smith's header came off the woodwork what a game that was Amazing game, one we'll look back on very fondly. And one, I think, when we were leaving the ground, we're thinking that Aaron Dryman was actually a hell of a find at this level. And Harry Smith as well, to be fair. And Theo Archibald, again, impressing exactly uh, right in the ground. So that win meant we ended the month of October in sixth place in League Two. So played 15 at this point, won five, drawn eight, and only two losses with a very strong goal difference of plus 13 already at this point in the season. And 23 points. So moving on into the month of November. And the month started with FA Cup action. As we entertained Ebsfleet in the first round. Not our game that would have long in the memory of this one. We sneaked a one to win. As a superb Shadogi through ball. Found Aaron Drynan. We finished it beautifully past the keeper. That was the highlight of the game. The only goal. And that goal put us into the second round draw of the FA Cup. Yeah, that was uh, my son's first FA Cup game as well. And I remember it wasn't exactly the most delightful of spectacles of football, but we won it and we were through. That was the most important thing. Then we were in Papa John's trophy action. We were at home to Charlton on Tuesday the 9th of November. A win would ensure we topped the group to get a home tie in the next stage. And a win is what we got. We went down to 10 men after Papadopoulos was sent off in the 68th minute. But the O's took the lead as the forgotten man of the season due to injury. Paul Smythe pounced after a mistake from Charlton, who tried to play out from the back and had lost possession, which saw Smith drive into the box and bury his shot past Harness to make it 1-0 to the Orient in the 78th minute, which is just how the game finished. Yeah, so good win there. So three games uh, in that group. We won all three. I think that was Paul Smith's first start back, actually. Since his injury, however, though he got injured again, uh, I don't think he even made the lineup away to Rochdale. So that was very, very frustrating. So like we said, Rochdale away were next up. This was a bit of a bonkers game. First minute, we conceded a goal straight away as Alex Newby headed home unchallenged. But we equalised through Aaron Dryden, a deservedly equalised as well, and then went two and up through a great strike from Craig Clay. However. We weren't going to win this one. We switched off again very late on in the 89th minute as Newby scored an equalising goal as the game finished all. So again, another game that should have been in the W column 
switched to the deep column. So although we didn't lose, it felt more like two points dropped than a point gained. Absolutely. So that point. I remember our podcast at the time were a lot about that. It's about the not having the mental fortitude to see games out, and we were should there were there were games in the L column that should be in the D column, and games in the D column that should be in the W column. But we just for whatever reason something was going wrong. I don't know if you remember um, the types of conversations we were having. Yeah, funny, isn't it? Because we here we were, given where we've been, complaining about draws, drawing games. Not yeah, losing games, yeah. drawing games. It's, worth, it's also worth pointing out that we're not going into a great amount of in-depth month by month. However, Craig Clay at this point was enjoying somewhat of a renaissance uh, at this point and the goal against Rochdale won't win to kind of strengthen yeah. how much the O's fans were rating him. It was definitely, at this point, one of the O's players of the season, having a great season, marshalling in midfield. So he had a very strong 11, I think it was fair to say at this point. However, if any of those 11... We're going to get injured or suspended. That will come on to. That's where the problems are going to start arising. But at this point, mm. Prattley and Clay is your central two. They were very, very strong two together. Um, and Clay, yeah, as it all turns out, everyone knows what happened with Clay Clay in terms of his injury. But Clay Clay having an amazing season at this point. Yeah, absolutely right. So we hosted Sutton at home the following week. Sutton were one place above us at the time when we when we played them, and had enjoyed a good solid start to their life in the uh, in the football league. Their first um, first promotion into the football league. We were on a six game unbeaten run, although five of those were draws. To be fair, um, Su- uh, Shadogi miscontrolled the ball in midfield on the 18th minute, and Oloafi. Um, punished him and put Sutton 1-0 up in the process. That was unfortunate because he was at least 25-30 yards out when when he got dispossessed. Um, Archibald levelled the scores on the half-hour mark, though. A long Tom James throw-in was flicked on by Smith. Harry Smith and Archibald made no mistake from close range. And Harry Smith put us ahead just after half-time after a deep cross from Theo Archibald was mishandled and dropped by the Sutton keeper. And Harry Smith was there to head home. Smith bagged his brace in the 82nd minute with a contender for goal of the season. Sutton failed to clear the ball from a Tom James long throw and after a pinging about in the box, the ball eventually popped out to Harry Smith and he smashed it home on the volley from the edge of the penalty box. It's one of the goals of the season contenders and Tom James made it 4-1 in the 94th minute after a rehearsed uh, corner routine saw the ball come to him and he smashed home from inside the box. That was a, a good rampant game really was. We were clinical up front. Harry Smith will never strike a volley better than the one he struck. And Sutton, actually, to be fair to him, didn't play that bad. We just played really well. And just yeah. absolutely on fire. So, great 4-1 win. Next up, on a cold Tuesday night, we went to Scunthorpe, who was struggling at the bottom of the league. The match ended 1-0. We went one up uh, in the 21st minute through Aaron Dryan and after a superb pass from the right-hand side from Kiprianu. We should have been out of sight uh, by the 64th minute but we weren't and at that point Scrimshaw equalised for the hosts again poor defending as we stood there despite having numbers behind the ball again further chances followed but we couldn't make them count the match finished one all again and again feeling more like two points lost than a point gained and looking at the table going you can't really keep a four to draw in these games when you know you really should be winning mm. based on the amount of chances that you've had 
I mean, what we haven't uh, we haven't given a complete rundown uh, of, of of each game, but I think it's fair to say in this one we created and missed at least five golden chances here. Harry Smith guilty of two, Paul Smith guilty of two. Hector Kiprianu's effort somehow was harder to miss than it was to score, but he managed to do the harder bit. Um, so we're ending up, like you say, talking again about another side who aren't that great. And obviously we're relegation fodder, uh, even that early on in the season. And, you know, we weren't really able to do too much um, except walk away with a point. Um, in our final league game of the month, though, we travelled up the M1 to Northampton Town, a very windy, wet day. But despite having much of the ball, we couldn't fashion any chances. And Northampton took the lead five minutes before half-time from a long throw that we failed to deal with. Again, another reoccurring theme of our season, just not being clinical enough um, in, in each box is particularly um, defensively. A very frustrating afternoon, it has to be said, as we barely tested their keeper and they barely tested ours. The game finished a very cagey 1-0 uh, loss to the O's. And that saw us um, end the month in eighth, having now played 19 games. We'd won six, drawn 10, lost only three of 19, which is pretty spectacular. If you'd have said to me, 19 games in, you're only going to lose three, I'd have bitten your arm off. Um, and we had 28 points chalked up at this particular point. Yeah, not, not bad at all. The final game of November saw so us at home to MK Dons in the Football League Trophy second round. Dons made eight changes to their starting 11, and after 90 minutes, the scores were level at nil at nil. So this one went to penalties. Rossitori missed the first penalty kick for the O's. The Dons scored all five of theirs, which meant they progressed, and the O's were out of the competition. Two penalty misses for Ralph. Two cup exits for the Orient. I mean, it's fair to say that most those fans aren't really bothered about the Football League trophy, in all honesty. However, you know, again, gave good account of ourselves against a team from a higher division. Unlucky not to win that one. And the curse of the Orient penalty shootout yeah. is its ugly head once again. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. Uh, so let's start off the month of Christmas then uh, as we move now into December and we started the month with the FA Cup second round home draw against Tranmere who were 10th in League 2 at the time and had lost their last three matches and we heaped more misery on them by totally outplaying them and storming to a 4-0 win thanks to a brace from Harry Smith and a goal each from Omar Beckles and Aaron Drynan that sent us into the third round for the first time in seven years. And the draw for the third round was made on the following Monday, and we were third out of the hat with the draw away at Stoke City. I think we all felt that game was going to be a lot harder than what it was as well. We absolutely pulverised Tranmere off the pitch in a great performance. Yeah. And on the following Tuesday, we had high-flying Swindon Town up, and against... All of our expectations and wildest dreams. We won the game 4 1. This was a very convincing performance, particularly in the second half. A great game of football. When the warm up, Hector Kipriano injured his hamstring. He was replaced by Dan Pratley. And we had a brace each from Aaron Dryan and, and Harry Smith in this one. And surely they walked away with all three points. It was one all at half time. Dryan has got a great opener in the 19th minute. Harry McCurdy equalised three minutes before half time, which was definitely coming. Swindon played well on this one. But in the second half, we were just. So superior. Another goal from Drynan. Two from Harry Smith. Sealed the match. And this is as good as what it got, really. I think at the end of this one, we were seventh in the league. We were all buzzing. Scoring goals for fun. Defending well. Clinical up front. And there was only one way you would see the Orient going at this point. 
Yeah. And that was up. We all left that ground absolutely buzzing without thinking, right, this is our season now. We're going to push on from here. We've absolutely obliterated Swindon. I think at this point, Smith and Dryden were already both in double figures in their league tallies. And we just could not believe what we were seeing. And again, an amazing game. I've not seen a performance like that in many years. Yeah. Down the line, just absolutely smash them to pieces yeah absolutely you're spot on you summarise that really well but then we had Crawley Town and I think this is where it started to go wrong for us um, Crawley hadn't had a good start to the season but had been a huge bogey team to the O's in recent years and in typical Orient fashion in a game where 84% of our pre-game voters thought we'd win we ended up losing 2-1 Crawley took the lead in the 32nd minute only for Theo Archibald to bring us level 30 minutes later in the 62nd minute of the cross come shot and the goal credited as an own goal by Glenn Morris, former Orient keeper. But three minutes later, we switched off and Appiah scored the winner. And to add insult to injury, Darren Prattley was sent off for two yellow cards. Yeah, I think to add further insult to injury as well. In this one, there was an injury to Tom James. He got injured in the first half. And it turned out to be a very bad injury as he was ruled out for the rest of the season. So yeah. at this point, Crawley always been a bogey team. Not the best performance. Mm-hmm. He's a bit lackluster, a bit tired. Losing James was a massive blow. Pratty gets sent off and poor all round this one. Yeah, absolutely. And we've beaten them 4-0 in the Cup in the um, Papa John's earlier in the season. So kind of expectations after Swindon. And rightly so, that 84% thought that we'd win, but it just wasn't meant to be. And if you think back to the Harrogate game earlier, um, to a man, we were again awful. Our passing was long and hopeful rather than purpose and precision. Um, We looked disjointed and disorganised, and Kenny Jackett was forced to make a defensive change as Omar Beckles missed out as he'd been in contact with someone who had COVID, so Adam Thompson took his place. And it's fair to say, I think that was one of the worst refereeing performances we've seen as well in that Crawley game as well. So that... That all didn't help. In the week, Harry Smith won the vote for the November League 2 goal of the month with his left foot against Sutton. Yeah, there was a big campaign on that, if you remember rightly, to get him to win that. So well done to Harry for winning that one. At this point, probably should mention that COVID was starting to come back in a bit of a big way. You mentioned Beckham yeah. couldn't play in that one because of COVID. And during the week, we seemed like we were about to go into lockdown again. There was lots of talk about lockdown and games being postponed in the Premier League for fun, literally at the drop of a hat. We all presumed the following Saturday's game away to Tranmere would get called off as we knew there was a lot of Orient players and Tranmere players having COVID outbreaks. However, the match did not get called off. It went underway under controversial circumstances as somehow we had 14 outfield players available for selection, a minimum you are required to have. So the game went on. That game was only one of four fixtures that were played in League 2 during that day in a scrappy game on a cold December day. We lost the game 1-0 as Jay Spear and rocketed in a 58-minute pole driver after we failed to clear a Tranmere cross. However, we did have some decent opportunities. I remember Harry Smith had two headers and the last header was a golden chance. So a lot of people will look back on this one and go, this was a bit of a turning point in the season. However, we did have our chances and we only lost by a goal. We should have easily come away with something better than that but a 1-0 defeat in that one I remember the club I remember a lot of fans kind of critiquing the club saying we shouldn't have turned up for that game there were other other teams that weren't weren't if you like were bending the rules so to speak um, and were being making them quite flexible to their benefit and I remember yeah, we were criticised by a lot a large portion of the fan base possibly fairly rightly so that um, we were being too honest 
um, and it's to our detriment. It's come come at our detriment um, in this particular uh, situation. I remember that happening. We were served. Uh, sorry, we were only one of four fixtures played in League Two and lost the game one 0 oh, Sorry, you've just you've just done that. Apologies. Um, a local derby was meant to be up next as we were due to face Colchester United on Boxing Day. However, this game didn't get played as Colchester informed the EFL that they couldn't fulfil the fixture due to COVID and injuries in the team. And controversially, nor was the final home game of 2021, which was against Newport County, as they were also unable to, uh, to, uh, sorry, to field a side due to COVID. Yeah, so both those games getting called off a decent amount of notice. So no problem with that one. But there were other games that were happening. So this meant we ended the year in 10th place. We'd played 22 games, won seven, drawn 10, lost five, and still had 31 points and a pretty decent goal difference. So that was 2021 done. 2022 started in bizarre fashion. We were supposed to have the visit of Bristol Rovers. We had assurances from both teams and from Danny Macklin, even on the morning of the match at 9am, if you remember rightly, saying yeah. this game is going ahead. However, the game was controversially called off at 10.30am as Bristol Rovers playing. They did not have a team to fill, despite them actually being on a coach on the way to London and most of their fans on the way to London as well. So, bizarre scenes there. Make that what you will, but that one did not happen. Yeah, very bizarre situation. Don't quite know what happened there. But look, they've used the situation to their advantage and they've got promoted off the back of their behaviour throughout the course of the season. So, on the 13th of January, Dan Moss joined us on loan from Millwall, having been recalled from his successful loan spell at Yeovil. Yeah, but before that, we had an FA Cup game to play. So, we went away to Stoke City on the 9th of January. This one, oh, sorry, annoyingly kicked yeah. off on a Sunday. It got moved from a Saturday, got moved to the Sunday for TV coverage at 2pm, which was very annoying. Kenny almost had a full squad to choose from and we had some good opportunities in this one. Paul Smith made his long-awaited comeback and had a great game, it's fair to say. He was a real little bundle of terror on them. Harry Smith and Aaron Drynan had chances, couldn't take them. Stoke took the lead in the first half. And it's, again, looking back at this one, Ralph Satoru had a really good chance late on in the game at 1-0 to equalise, but he put his chance over the bar. And Tyrese Campbell, son of O's, Hero Kevin sealed the game late on to make it 2 0 as the O's were knocked out of the FA Cup for another year. That was a really good away day, that nice ground, easy to get in and out of. Um, and I thought we gave a really good account of ourselves. Paul Smythe was fantastic here, there, and everywhere. You could see he'd found he was in his element. Those defenders were really scared of him and, and fouled him to the nth degree. So, really good away trip as well. I think at this point we were all starting to ask questions about the January um, transfer. I know we've mentioned Dan Moss had signed on January the 13th, but we had lost Tom James and there was no um, obvious right-back in place at this point. And if I remember rightly on the Stoke game, Craig Clay played right-back and their first goal came from an attack down our right. So we knew right-back was a difficult one. Clay done as well as he could there. And then obviously we had Dan Moss come in there um, to fill that gap. But we did have other signings before in the next game. On the 19th of January, Otis Khan signed for us on an 18-month deal from fellow League Two side Walsall. So I think we were all mostly happy with that one. Good pedigree. I think at the time we questioned it, saying, you know, he's had a lot of League Two clubs for quite a young a young player. Mm. But on the 20th of January, 
big news came out of the club as they announced that Craig Clay was likely to miss the rest of the season as he'd been playing with an injury and he had to undergo surgery on his knee. So a big, big, big loss there for the O's. So now Tom James on the sideline who had a massive impact to the first half of the season. Craig Clay now as well. At this point, we hadn't really brought the reinforcements that most fans had wanted in January. But at this point, we still had another 11 days to make that right. So still some expectation and hope that that was going to happen. Absolutely. So after a five-week wait, it was our first 2022 league fixture, which came on Saturday the 22nd of January against Port Vale, a Port Vale team who had lost their last four games and had a depleted squad due to suspension and injuries. And in a game that really won't be remembered for anything other than the Fox that ran the full length of the East stand and stopped play for a moment. We only registered two shots on target, only technically, as neither were more than simple catching or gathering of the ball by their keeper. As the game finished, nil-nil. A thoroughly underwhelming game. I think both teams were happy just to play football again and take the point. Although it was very lacklustre. I think we all got into the stadium thinking, right, we're going to go at them, we're going to be fit, we're going to be ready for it. And we just looked knackered for whatever reason. You know, if... Yeah, who this knows? Is, this like is the, the real... Now yeah. Of, this, the, uh, of, of the blip that's set in. Yeah, this is exactly what's happened. Something's gone on at the, by this point and uh, I think heads had started to drop and morale had dipped massively, unbeknown to us. Yeah, and I think it's also fair to say at this point that Paul Smith had a collapsed lung following the Stoke game. So he obviously had just come back from injury. We were all very excited to see him play. And it turns out in that game that he got a collapsed lung and they club said he'd be out for the rest of the season as well at that point. So you're looking at it going, right, we really do need some January reinforcements because we look like we are going to maybe be up in a bit of a struggle with our most productive players out. And I think also at this point, Paul Theo Archibald had a small injury and he wasn't playing week in, week out as yeah. well. But on the Monday after the Stoke game, we signed midfielders. We signed two of them. We signed Jordan Brown from Derby. He signed on an 18-month deal and we also signed Ethan Coleman from Kings Lynn on a two-and-a-half-year deal for a rumoured ACK fee. I think it's fair to say we had a lot, a lot of tweets and views coming into us on out of the podcast tower saying, what is going on? We don't really need any central midfielders. We're signing two kids who really should be summer signings more than anything else in a team where we really need people with experience to come in and impact this starting lineup. And a few eyebrows were raised, and you know, I think we were honest in what our views were in terms of the signings at the time. However, we always support what the club do, but a few eyebrows raised at this point. I think a bit of disappointment among the fan base that we hadn't gone for maybe a higher pedigree player. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that there were two prospects for the future, but immediate Craig Clay replacements. I think you mentioned it on the podcast. You know, These are summer signings, not January signings, where you're trying to push yourselves uh, further up the league, particularly given that we were playing how we were playing. And... Uh, yeah, although there was, a, I think there's a bit of a mixed review uh, for these two lads, which isn't fair to them. It's not their fault, um, but it is what it is. Um, we then hosted Newport County the following Tuesday at home in one of our rearranged Christmas fixtures. The new site with new signing Jordan Brown starting at the expense of Darren Prattley, who didn't even make the bench. Otis Khan also made his first start in an orange shirt. And despite the new boys starting, we carried on our form from Saturdays. The players looked strangely lethargic and Newport County nicked a goal very late in the game following a corner, which we failed to deal with at the back post. 
and we lost the game 1-0 with a chorus of boos ringing out around the ground and for the first real time this season a Twitter meltdown questioning whether Kenny Jacket what was delivering what was expected of him. We yeah, turned. That was a real, real boring game. Tuesday night it was cold. We didn't create anything. Looked lackluster. I think the team selection at points was questionable. Like you mentioned there, Dan Crutley went from starting as captain to literally not being in the squad when he wasn't injured. And it was all starting to fall apart. And the fixtures didn't get any easier as the O's then travelled to Inverbourne Mansfield Town. This one was on the 29th of January, which was a Saturday. Another poor display. We lost a game 2 0. Mansfield were on the back of a run. They'd won their last seven games and they had a chance to make club history by making it eight. And it was ex-Orient striker Jordan Bowery who opened the scoring. A debatable goal as well, like he blatantly handballed the ball, wasn't given 1-0, and then they wrapped up the points in the 72nd minute from a corner routine as Ollie Clark fired the game beyond doubt after Phil Schwald lost his man. So really another disappointing performance and it was starting to really unravel at pace. Yeah, I think it's fair to say there were no Orient fans at all that were happy with how we're doing and plenty took to social media once again to voice their displeasure at what they were seeing as well. I think the expectations of the first half of the season um, had kind of set the bar and and this was not reaching that in any way, shape or form. I think it's probably worth mentioning that in January at some point that we haven't dated it precisely. Nigel Travis went on the club's website and said, look, we're really going to go for it in January. We're going to invest heavily. Good point. We still want promotion, and that kind of regalvanised the fans to a certain point. And deadline day came around, and we were all expecting. We knew the O's would have to make signings. We were all refreshing social media, our emails, our WhatsApps, waiting for the signings. We did make two. However, it's fair to say that they both didn't really go down well or set the world light with the fan base. The first one on paper looked decent enough. George Ray signed on loan from Tranmere. This was mainly due to covering at the back as we picked up an injury at Fonand Riley with a centre-back. Adam Thompson had got injured again. So that was really to cover the centre-back options there. And also, Frank Nublay signed on loan from Colchester United in a real eyebrow-raising signing. I think we were all very shocked and surprised by that signing. And that wasn't bad enough. We also lost our number 10, Dan Kemp, who, to be fair, hasn't really made a big contribution this season, but still, we were surprised to see him join MK Dons in a permanent deal. But a very, very odd January window there, I think it's fair to say, from the O's, especially the Frank Nubay signing. Very bizarre. Yeah, sorry, I'd mistakenly, for some reason, written George Ray joined us from Tranmere, but he didn't. He joined us from Exeter City. Just to, I know people will pick us up on that, so I just thought I'd correct my mistake <laughs> so, in writing that. Yeah, so a few signings in, none to write home about at this point, and we ended January in playing 25 games. We'd won seven, drawn 11, lost seven, so goal in the plus 13 with 32 points. We had a few games in hand, it was fair to say, so the league placing wasn't really at this point something you could look on with real credibility, because I think we were three or four games behind everyone else. However, though, we were losing a lot of games in a very quick space of time. I think there were quite a few fans that were quite upset with our January business, based on your rightful point assertion there that, that uh, Nigel had gone on to assure fans that they were going for it. They put another hundred and fifty grand into the into the budget. When you're signing Frank Nublay from a team below you, a side he can't get into, and they're below you in the league, there were a lot of fans rightly annoyed by the fact that what are we doing here? How are we? 
how are we signing players from clubs below us? Where's the ambition? And I think there was a lot of mass outpouring of dislike and annoyance there. And I think there was a lot of fingers being pointed at Martin Ling, the transfer committee. Nigel Travis came under fire for the first time in his um, chairmanship of, of the club for you know the comments that he'd made. He wanted to reassure fans. I think it backfired on him uh, a little bit, unfortunately, because of the signings didn't quite marry up with, with what he'd said. I think he made a big mistake as well because he... Obviously, the club react to what they see on social media. And he, if you remember this, after the January transfer window, he went back and done a half-hour interview with the club, which was good. But he was asked about the aggressive comment, and he kind of said, "Well, I didn't make." He kind of said that he meant it in a different scope to what he had said it about before. And you were like, "Mate, you've shot yourself in the foot here. You've really not done yourself justice." Yeah. What you were trying to say made a bit of a boo boo. Then you know, we, we love Nigel on this podcast, and we don't like criticising him but we, I guess we have to feel we criticise we're relevant and we're objectively uh, and honestly so yeah fair to say that so let's crack on with February we started the month by travelling to Bradford City another cold Tuesday night a rearranged fixture from the Christmas period three changes to this lineup as Darren Prattley led the charge had probably one of his best games in an orange shirt this season he put the O's in the lead in a 69th minute but we couldn't hold on to it a late deflected strike from Bradford got them an equaliser as the match finished one or a game we came so close to winning. And at that point, I think Ethan Coleman played in that one and had a pretty decent game. So you go, look, it might not be as bad as what it might as what it could be. That was a pretty mm. decent bad performance. We just now need to follow that up with a decent performance in our next game. I think Derek Adams was under some pressure from the Bradford fans at the time as well, because I don't think they were meeting their expectation levels either, uh, in fairness. So let's move on then. We had Colchester next, a short trip up the A12 with their new manager and an influx of new signings following the transfer window in a match where you all felt an O's win uh, could be on the, on, on the way. In the fourth minute from our corner, Colchester counter-attacked us and Freddie Sears' shot beat uh, Lawrence Vigaru as we fell to a 1-0 defeat with many fans calling for a change in manager. And I think it's uh, fair to say we look very low on confidence, very few shots at goal. Our all-round display was very, very poor. Smith was substituted for the first time this season, threw his shirt down, stormed off down the tunnel, if you remember rightly. Yeah, that was a game where I kind of win. Do you know what? You can probably see this team getting relegated. There was nothing about them. There were no chances being created. There was no team spirit. Smith was... You know, a typical example of the way that team were behaving on the body language on the pitch, storming off, and it just looked like we were just plummeting at pace. And Colchester at home was the game you were looking at through January, going, "But we're right because even though we've lost today to, you know, this team or that team, we'll go and beat Colchester at home because Colchester are rubbish." But the fact that they came to us and beat us, that was when I think we had a real outpouring of social media. And although there were quite a lot to it, since I was saying. Kenny should be sacked. There was the balance in tweets going, no, give him time, he's experienced enough to get through this. I think the Colchester game was a pivotal point in the mm-hmm. season where, for the first time, it was a, a very loud majority of fans going, no, he's done now. He can't put it back. And yeah. for the first time, it's very, it's very hard to counter those views or give an objective argument because from what we've seen on the pitch, you couldn't really argue in favour of Kenny. However, board kept faith in Kenny 
for that one. But it was a very tough fixture coming up. We had a cold Tuesday night in Devon away to inform Exeter City. Again, a very, very tough game. We had chances um, in this game, but in added time, the 92nd minute, we switched off on a free kick that we didn't even need to concede, really. Oh, Beth was conceded a free kick. Mm. And their man had a free header from close range that they won 1-0. If you remember rightly, I think Beckles had a header down their end in like the 86th minute where we should have scored. Drew in scored the goal that never was where it was offside. Uh, and Dan Happy also dislocated his knee. So a real bad night yeah. body over in that one on in a night where we came so close and would have really been appreciative of the draw that we won earlier in the season to get another draw. But it was just the way the, the form and the uh, the table was going for the O's. Yeah, absolutely. And here we are talking about now getting rid of Kenny Jacket, a manager who we were only too delirious to have signed not that long ago. What a difference a few weeks in football makes. Um, yeah, so um, I've just for some reason been chucked out of our... Valentine's Day in was up next. We hosted Salford City and again changes in the starting lineup as the guys were looking for a win. Decent first half in this one. We are lucky not to go and take the lead. However, a change in the team and a change of setup in the second half. So as can see two goals. We lost the game 2-0. Again, booze ringing around the ground at full time. More misery on Kenny Jackie in this one. It was looking like a very, very tough road ahead for him. Yeah, he had a full week on the training ground up next though, with an away trip to Harrogate on the following Saturday, but the match was postponed just before 2pm due to a late flurry of snow, which meant the pitch was not suitable to play on. Yeah, it felt like the Harrogate game was going to be quite important away, because there was a lot of pressure on Jackie at this point, and it seemed like the Harrogate game was going to be a real kind of decided for him Harrogate were around us in the table and again a game you look at in terms of club sizing and you go we'll win this or we should be beating Harrogate away so a kind of reprieve there but luckily for us on the Sunday we had Martin Link land on to have him on the podcast anyway but no game to talk about hmm. from having what would have been a 20 minute half hour conversation with him we had him for about 70 minutes as we asked him about all the questions that you wanted to know about lots of questions about the transfer committee about his role at the club, about all the January transfer windows. Mm. To be fair to Mark, he was very chatty, he was very yeah. open, he was very honest. That was one of the highest listening figures that we've had uh, all season. And I have to commend him for coming on. 100%. Because at that point, it was pressure on him and we took lots of your questions on there. Um, and he was asked all types of difficult questions. So that was lucky for us. But I think we all felt the yeah, next game at home to Mr Rovers, was going to be a key, game, a key game in the world of Kenny. We did obviously ask Martin about how long Kenny had and yeah. he didn't really give a definitive answer. But, you know, he said Kenny's not stupid. He'll know that this form is not good enough to turn around. Exactly right. Exactly. And it is still available if you do want to go back and listen to it. Uh, is still available on, on wherever you get your podcast from. But we move on then. An informed Bristol Rovers were up next on a Tuesday night. Kent Teague was in town and rumours uh, that Kenny Jacket needed a win to escape the sack started circulating. And after creating but failing to take some of the decent chances, uh, it was the visitors who took theirs with two goals in the first half as we ended up losing the game 2-0. Yeah, I mean, that was... A, that was so not, that was pretty much a good representation of his time 
of Kenny's time at Orient in terms of we should have been one or two goals ahead by the time Bristol Rovers scored their first. But once that first goal went in, the heads dropped and they got a quick second and then it was game set and match. And it's half past ten. The news came through that we were all expecting. There were no surprises in this one. That Kenny Jackett had been relieved of his duties from Lady Orient and that Matt Harold and Brian Sarr would make up an interim management team until a successor was put in place. Yeah, absolutely. So fellow League Two strugglers, Carlisle United were up next in a real six-pointer as they had also just sacked their manager and their director of football and reappointed Paul Simpson. The O's got off to the worst possible start as an early counter-attack saw Carlisle take the lead in just the fourth minute and despite the O's giving it plenty of effort, there was a lack of chances created as we lost the game 1-0 to leave plenty of those fans seriously concerned with the threat of relegation. Yeah, that was a real tough one um, yeah. to swallow, that one. That Carlisle in a very similar position to us, made the same change and they just looked like they wanted it a bit more. I don't think it was until the last 10-15 like, minutes where we really threatened their goal or looked like we were going to score, but we couldn't. So that meant we ended the month of February precariously in 18th place in the league, played 31 one seven, drawn twelve, lost twelve, and the goal defence came right down to plus six and on thirty three points, meaning the O's would need a very big march indeed. A big week then was up for us. Two games against local teams, both in trouble at the wrong end of the table. Matt Harold went on the club media channel to say, Good bunch of lads and we all needed to get down there and support the team. He absolutely did. We went away to Colchester United on a wet and cold Tuesday night. The A12 derby didn't lack drama as Colchester had the ball in the net in the 51st minute, only for it to be ruled offside. But Orient, who took the lead in the 66th minute as a poor clearance from Shamal George, only went as far as Ethan Coleman, who did well to head the ball to Ruel Satoriu. He drove across the box, looked for a shooting opportunity, left a defender on the floor and fired into the roof of George's goal via the underside of the crossbar to make it 1-0. Brilliant atmosphere at this point as well, created by the Orient fans. Colchester equalised in the 74th minute as we failed to defend a corner when Kenlock, with Kenlock sorry, getting ahead of Hector Kiprianu had a relatively free header from close range, making it 1-1. But they took the lead five minutes later as a free kick found its way to Edwards, who fired in at the far post to make it 2-1. But five minutes of time, added time, went on the board. And in the fourth additional minute, following a free kick, Ethan Coleman scrambled the ball home to get a point for the O's as the match finished 2 all. Yeah, a very, very much valued point in that one. I think one where we wanted expected a point minimum but in the circumstances and the way we got it in the pouring rain to get a last minute goal it felt much like a win so two all there then we were back at home on the Saturday against the Stevenage team who had a few ex-Orient players in their lineups. Stevenage took the lead in the 23rd minute as Prosser sent his header looping over Lawrence Figaro to make it 1-0 their lead lasted only six minutes though as Darren Prattley lifted the ball over Scotty C who got a touch on it and the informer also told you smashed it home to make it one all. Stevenage went down the other end from Pins long kick, went all the way through to Luke Norris, hit a half volley first time, flew into the corner to make it 2-1. That's the way the match stayed until the 90th minute. Seven minutes later, time went up on the board. And in the fourth minute, the O's had a long throw that ended up at the far post to Paul Smith. His cross was only cleared as far as the Archibald, who was just outside the box. He <coughs> sent the Iron Faithful wild as he killed a superb shot into the top corner giving him no chance back in the net 2 all 
to snatch another late point for the O's. So again, almost at the jaws of defeat, snatching a point. Great goal from Theo, another contender for goal of the season there. And Paul Smith as well announced back in the lineup, seemingly out of nowhere, mm. um, which was another big turning point. I mean, obviously speak about Paul Smith quite a lot, but you know that was some real positives to take from you know not the best of results at all and Stevenage. On Wednesday the 9th of March, two weeks and one day after Kenny Jackett was sacked, the club announced Richie Wellens as our new head coach on a two-and-a-half-year contract as former Orient player Paul Terry was announced later as his assistant. Yeah, so Richie in the building. He had two difficult away games to start up. The first league, he had Hartlepool United away. They had just lost some penalties to Rotherham in the Papa John's Trophy semi-final, but they were doing all right in the league and a positive start to his reign. It was nil-nil, which probably isn't the best result, but we started much more lively. So two went close in the 14th minute. His shot went over the bar. Hartlepool went close in the 34th minute, but their effort went wide. Kipriano, who looked like he was about to give the O's the lead early in the second half, but his effort was cleared off the line. Other chances for both teams, but it was nil-nil. Had a decent start to Richie Wenham's reign. Yeah, absolutely. Um... We then had Tuesday night visit um, to top of the table Forest Green Rovers, uh, who were eight points clear in League Two, but in the midst of a wobble as they'd not won since the eighth of February and were beaten at home two 0 by Bradford on the previous weekend. Again, a much improved performance saw us walk away with a one-all draw despite switching off in the tenth minute as Stevens put Forest Green ahead with a simple tap in from a few yards out as Wood and Beckles were caught ball-watching. But in the second half, a quickly taken free-kick saw Ogie feed Khan, whose quick forward pass found Archibald, who played a superb pass to Soteriu, who found himself in on goal and made no mistake in the 67th minute to make it one all and a share of the points. Yeah, decent performance in my only away game of the season. So yeah. Winter Forest Green had a great time. Thanks to everyone on the supporters coach for making that a very memorable journey and back. Next up, we were at home to Rochdale with the O's still looking for their first win of 2022. And Richie's first game at home didn't disappoint. Although we went behind in the fourth minute as Alex Newby fired in from a tight angle from close range. But Paul Smith got us on level terms in the 40th minute with an absolutely wonderful strike from distance that flew into the top beams. In the second half, the informed Real Soto us 2-1 ahead with a superb strike in the 59th minute and in the 80th minute game set and match as Harry Smith got on the end of a Theo Archibald lobbed shot come cross headed the ball past the keeper to make it 3-1 with his 14th goal of the season and the winless hoodoo was over as Richie Wellens got the O's their first win in 2022 at his third attempt meaning his first three games undefeated two draws and a win in quite difficult fixtures, so decent start for Richie. Yeah, absolutely right uh, as well. Um, we were then back in league action the following Tuesday as we made the long trip up to North Yorkshire as we played Harrogate in the rearranged fixture and we started the game sharply, created several good chances and Harrogate had to change formation twice to adapt going in... Um, sorry, they changed formation twice to adapt going in nil-nil at half-time. We took the lead in the 51st minute as we played out from the back. Thompson played a long ball forward that was met by a Harrogate defender. 
His header was then met by Darren Prattley, who headed the ball to Drynan, who drove forward. He still had lots to do, but eventually fired his shot into the back of the net from 18 yards out. And like buses, Drynan doubled our lead six minutes later, as an ogie long throw was flicked on by Beckles and Drynan was there to smash it home. The game was put to bed in the 72nd minute by an informed Ruel Satoru. Darren Prattley intercepted a pass, got the ball to Drynan, who was on the stretch, but he managed to get the ball to Saturiu. The last defender slipped, Saturiu punished them and scored his fifth goal in six games to give the O's a 3-0 lead and only our second away win of the season to leave us all in Richie Welland's wonderland. Yeah, great result there. Crack could have easily been a contender for game of the season, but the final Saturday game of March was host Barrow. They had just appointed Phil Brown as their manager after a bad run. But it was a busy day, the O's, and a lively day. Football for a fiver, retro shirt day, the O-nuts all back, sun was shining, and then Richie Wellen's positivity was felt all around the ground. Nil nil at half time, but the O's took the lead in the 52nd minutes. Connor Woods, long ball into the channel, was latched onto by Paul Smith. He took a touch away from the barrow keeper farm and from a most outrageous of angles, curled the ball superbly into the net from about 20 yards out wide to make it 1-0. That goal will be spoken about a bit later on in the podcast. We then doubled the lead in after informed Satiru, took a nice touch, controlled the ball, smashed it into the bottom corner of the net to make it 2-0. Six goals in seven games. That's the way the match finished. And Richie made it three wins in a week to move Orient away from the bottom of the table. At this point, our relegation worries were, were pretty pretty much eased off at this point. Yeah, right? you could see the massive turnaround that Richie had performed in such a short space of time and it clearly was a lack of confidence and structure that the players weren't being given by Kenny Jacket that Richie had identified quite quickly and quite rightly uh, and had given that to the players and you could really see that. Uh, we ended the month of March with a Tuesday night game away to relegation threatened Oldham and on the back of our recent form most Orient fans expected another positive result. Against a struggling side Richie Wellens made five changes to the starting 11. In came Ray, Coleman, Smith, Khan and Nublay. Oldham showed fight and effort and determination over the 90 minutes and took all three points in the end, taking the lead in the 33rd minute after a Kiprianu misclearance went to Hart on the left. His cross was turned into his own net by George Ray, if you remember, to make it 1-0. And in stoppage time, we had a corner that Lawrence Vigaru went up for. Corner was punched away by their keeper. They counter-attacked us and Whelan scored into an empty net to make it 2-0 which is how the game finished. And note that none of the rotated players here did themselves any favour. George Ray with the own goal, Nublay barely any contribution whatsoever. Really poor turnout from, from those that were being given a chance. Yeah, so that meant the month of March, we won 17th place, played 39 games, won 10, drawn 16, lost 13, with a goal difference of plus 11 on 46 points. So April started with an away trip to Walsall, them five changes made to the lineup. Some decent players put back into this lineup. We took the lead early on this one. Otis Khan drove across the air, across the pitch, got the ball inside the Warsaw half. He put a peach of a cross to Harry Smith, who got ahead of his defender and finished neatly from close range to give the O's a 1 0 lead. Five minutes later, provider turned goal scorer as Aaron drives the world to in the corner. The corner is put in by Connor Wood. Lotus to you. He flicked it towards Prattley, who left it. Otis Khan took a shot, deflected past Rushworth in the Walsall goal to make it 2-0. And besides a few chances for both teams, that is how the game finished with the O's winning 2-0. And Otis Khan enjoying a very fruitful return back against his former club. 
Yeah, clear week on the training pitch followed for the management team as we faced Sutton United away the following Saturday as Richie Wellens was forced to make four changes as Thompson, Coleman and Smith had COVID and Connor Wood was injured in training. Satoru dropped to the bench as he had a slight knock as well. The Sutton were much more dominant side and made uh, their pressure count as Joe Kizzy headed in home uh, in the 20th minute from a corner and we were much more assertive in the second half without really creating much and couldn't make our possession count. So the game ended with a 1-0 uh, loss, which is Richie's second loss in charge. Yeah, moving on into good Friday. Stunkup United at home, and if we beat them, they would be relegated out of the Football League. Decent good Friday attendance. Saw us take lead in the 15th minute as a move that started with Vigaru at the back. Saw us play up. Paul Smith was ball on the right eventually. Beat his defender. Drove into the box and smashed his shot past Watson to make it 1-0 to the O's. In the 24th minute, Theo Archibald doubled our lead as we broke away 3-on-3, three three, trying to pass to Theo on the right. He cut in beautifully and called a shot into the top bins, giving Watson no chance to make it 2-0. And 2 was 3 in the 29th minute after a good press from us. Saw the ball come to Jordan Brown. His cross was fumbled by Watson and Ralph Satu was there with his head to head home to make it 3-0. More chances in this one, but that's the way... The game finished, just Scunthorpe got relegated and the O's continued to push up League 2 under Richie Wellens. Yeah, on Easter Monday we went on the road to playoff chasing Swindon Town and against the odds we ran out 2-1 winners. Both goals coming from Omar Beckles. His first came in the 19th minute as Smythe, Paul Smythe was brought down when bursting past the Swindon defence. Referee awarded the O's a free kick in a decent position. Archibald swung in the ball and Omar Beckles got his head to the ball before Woolacott to put the O's ahead 1-0. However, four minutes later, Hector Kipriano received his marching orders after a foul saw him receive his second yellow card of the match and we were now down to 10 men. First half ended 1-0 to the O's and just eight minutes into the second half, Beckles doubled our lead as Shad Ogie's Ogie's long throw from the right pinged around the area and it fell to Beckles to coolly put past Woolacott into the, in, and into the corner of the net for his second of the game and it's 2-0 to the O's. Davison pulled a goal back for Swindon in the 78th minute but the game ended 2-1 to the O's as the team and management all celebrated with the away fans. Yeah, it felt like a very big win that one. So a great game to be at if you were lucky enough to be there. And the penultimate game of the month was host Northampton Town who were chasing automatic promotion this was a very exciting match. We lost this one 4-2, if you remember this, as it wasn't that long ago. In the 18th minute, Northampton got a free kick, harshly awarded for a foul by Connor Wood. The free kick was played to Penick. He put the ball into the top corner of Vigaru's goal to make it 1-0. Northampton went 2-0 up as a corner, was played in, and Guthrie prodded in from close range following a rebound. Two became three a few minutes later. Again, they beat the offside trap. FAL was played in, rounded Vigaru and made it 3-0, and three minutes of added time were added on, but two more goals followed. We got one back, as Paul Smith got three down the left, put the ball across the box to Theo Archibald, who slotted home to make it 3-1, but Northampton made it 4-1 before the half-time whistle went. There's a diagonal cross from Hoskins, down Appiah at the back post to make it 4-1. Second half, we played well. We got another back uh, in the game, uh, as Jordan Brown did really well to chase the ball down. We thought we were going to get a free kick for a foul on Paul Smith. Breath played on. And Brown put it into the far post. We hit the post a couple of minutes later. We had a few more chances. Nothing came of it. 
the game played itself out. Free scoring game, lost it 4-2 as Richie Wellens had his first defeat as O's head coach at Brisbane Road. So at the end of May, we are now 13th place in League 2. We've now played 44 games. We've won 13, drawn 16, lost 15. We've got 55 points and an amazing goal difference of plus 14 as we go into the final month and fixtures of the 21-22 season. And first up, we're Crawley Town, who have manager John Yems suspended pending an investigation into comments he'd made to a player and the game will be remembered for the goal that was never given in the 90th minute. But before that, Theo Archibald put us ahead in the 7th minute following a superb Route 1 pass from Lawrence Vigarou. Um, Theo took one touch to control the ball and scored to lob ex-Orient keeper Glenn Morris from the edge of the box. Brilliant goal. Paul Smith was brought down on the edge, uh, sorry, in the penalty area in the 16th minute. Drynan stepped up to take it, but it was low and central and Glenn Morris made the save. Drynan followed up with a header, but it was a comfortable catch in the end for Morris. And on the stroke of full time, Tilly hit a shot from the edge of the box. It hit the underside of the bar, appeared to cross the line and bounced out. Despite Crawley players protesting to the referee, the goal was not awarded. That had actually bounced behind the line. That was a clear goal. And what the referees were doing, God only knows. But they someone was shining, smiling down on us that day because that was not not meant to be that way. To rub salt into Crawley's wounds at the end of additional time, a nice move saw Archibald play a quick pass to Matt Young, who in turn quickly passed the ball on to Drynan first time, and Drynan curled his effort round Glenn Morris to double our lead and secure all three points back in E10. Yeah, so that game will always be remembered for the goal that never was. I think we'll still be talking about that in, in years to come. <laughs> that one, the game we won't be talking about in years to come was the final game of the season. It was a home to Tranmere who could still gatecrash the playoffs if results went their way. It was great to see Tom James back in the starting lineup for the first time since he got injured at home to Crawley earlier in the season. The game, like we said, won't be long in the memory. Kane Hemmings header won the game for Tranmere. They won 1 0, but it's still. Make the playoffs and post match, the management team and players came out for their lack of appreciation as the 2021 22 season had finally come to an end, which featured many player turnovers, a managerial sacking, and appointment. And quite a few high scoring games actually looking back on it yeah. now. There was quite a lot of uh, drama in, in that one. So, league table in for that season, we finished 13th in League Two, could have been better but could have been much worse. We played 46 games, won 14, drawn 16, lost 16, with a goal difference of plus 15 and 58 points. So, Bearded Legende, then let's have your views in on the season that was. So, for the final time this season, my views, I mean, I think I'm, I don't think I'm alone in thinking another season of really greatly missed opportunity to get us out of this league. Um, the biggest questions are kind of how and why did this go so wrong? And I don't know that we'll ever... Uh, really get the tr- to the truth of the matter. Um, to me, Kenny Jacket had clearly lost the dressing room. I don't think uh, there's any doubt in my mind those players were just not playing for him for whatever for whatever reason. Um, you kind of look back and think, well, look at Connor Wood and Darren Prattley, just dropped and banished from the first team and picked up and brought back in sporadically. Um, you probably argue that he's not treating them particularly well. So I would imagine his probable man- management skills were were not where they needed to be for this 
um, you know, for in this day and age for this group of players. Um, he came across as a bit aloof, a bit cold. We never had any interaction with him as fans. He certainly was never coming on any of the uh, fan-run media shows, um, which was disappointing. Um, so, you know... The, yeah. But but he did give us some amazing memories, you know, the 5-0 against Hartlepool, the, the the Swindon games, absolutely superb. And some of the goals that we've seen, uh, you know, our goals of the season competition or the vote that we had, you know, we only did four in a Twitter poll. But I was suggesting there was there was at least eight goals that you could argue were, argue, uh, were, were contenders, were, were healthy, genuine, decent contenders. Um, regardless of who the opposition were or how poor they were, the fact of the matter is we, we took... We took our opportunities and and we did well um, at, at various times. Um, losses to key personnel didn't really help either. We mentioned Tom James, Craig Clay. You know we haven't mentioned every time Paul Smith got injured. We could probably do a podcast just on that. Unfortunately for him, uh, Theo Archibald as well. You'd argue Theo was in and out quite a lot as well. Far too much for for what we need. So he lacked consistency. But I think Kenny Jackett's downfall was that he tried to continue to play the same formation and style with a different group of players who weren't cut out for it. And what he should have done was adapted a formation that suited the personnel that he had and not put square pegs into round holes. Um, I think that was probably part of his. Um, downfall as well. Um, Richie Wellens, absolutely superb appointment. You kind of look at things and think what could have been if he'd have been uh, in charge from the from the start or even earlier on if he had four or five games more uh, where we might have ended up. Um, you know, we were a fair way off in points terms as Matt Hiscock points out as he's coming up with his views in just a moment. Um, but uh, who'd, have known, who'd known what would have happened had we have won we had more of those going turn some of those L's into D's and some of the D's into L, uh, into W's. Um, it's going to be an interesting summer in terms of who actually stays. We've actually got quite a lot of players under contract, but it's going to be interesting to see if any of those might be uh, moved on, um, if any of those might be loaned out, um, and who we get in. Uh, we've still got a lot of places to fill. There's players out of contract. Tom James, obviously, quite notably, has has recently signed. Uh, which is great news. That's like a new signing in itself. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see who um, who comes on board and who um, who is going to be with us come the start of the season. And then, of course, yeah, who, who else is going to be joining us? Very, very exciting summer again. As it always is uh, at Leighton Orient. Yeah. Like I'm sure with every football club. Yeah, for me, I can't work out if that was an enjoyable season or not, really. There was, like you've said, there were some amazing games in there. You know, Tranmere... At home, Hartlepool at home, Sutton at home, Swindon at home, Exeter at home, Bristol Rovers away. Some 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 amazing games that Kenny had in his short reign. But then, as enjoyable as the enjoyable games were, the bad games were pretty terrible and pretty boring to watch. Pretty frustrating, pretty frustrating at the same time. And I think everyone has mentioned it. It's baffling how it all went so wrong so quickly from the period of December the seventh to February. Kind of what happened not only on the pitch and off the pitch as well I've got to say in terms of the transfer the way they brought the transfers in was just a bit of a bit of a mess I will say that you know we were unlucky this season with injuries Paul Smith had he played the whole season could have been a very very different outcome Tom James um, was on fire until he got injured against Crawley and when you take someone like that out who was getting you plenty of assists scoring goals as well and contributing to the defensive side of the team that was a massive miss as was Craig Clay so he was unlucky you know 
in a different world where he didn't have those injuries and had a fully fit Paul Smith. Who knows what might or may or not have happened. I think the January signings, uh, like I've said, terrible, really. You look back at it now and you're like, I can't even believe, even if Kenny Jacket was asking for these players that he was given, given them, looking back at the situation we were getting ourselves into. But as bad as January was, it does seem that we have actually found some nuggets from the summer signing and the recruitment. I think Paul Smith looks like a great, a great player. Drynan looks good. Harry Smith has done decent this season. Theo Archibald was fantastic. So, you know, we, as bad as January was, I think you've got to applaud the club for their summer recruitment. I think the right decision was made on Jackie, I think, at the right time, for me anyway. And Renan's definitely seems like the right appointment now. And I think all those fans will agree that we are going in the right direction under his leadership. And I'm definitely looking forward to next season, as I'm sure all Orient fans are um, at the moment. So, got to say, very, very happy with the way the club is going at the moment. So, all smiles from me. But frustrating season. Yeah. But then again, it's never straightforward supporting Leighton Orient. And that's not the kind of club that Leighton Orient are. It's all the what could have been, isn't it? Absolutely. Okay. So... Those were our views. We've got a couple of special guests coming up now and we're very delighted to have the voice or one half of the Orient Live crew. It's Dave Victor who sent us his thoughts. Here's what Dave had to say about the past season. Hold on. Technical difficulties. Let's sort this out. It really was a season of the unexpected. I'm sure I wasn't alone last summer with a feeling of excitement and optimism, not just by the appointment of Kenny Jackett and Joe Gallen, but also the quality of the players that the O's had signed. And it started... Players that the O's had signed, and it started so brightly. Comprehensive performances and victories over Exeter and Bristol Rovers both, of course, went on to clinch automatic promotion. And our second half display back in early December to take maximum points off Inform Swindon, one of the best I've seen in so many years going to Brisbane Road. I cannot explain the contrast between that performance and the dismal showing that followed just a few days later against Crawley. The injury to Tom James, a massive setback. Tom had been exceptional, and it's wonderful news that he's committed his future to our club. Instead of the usual exciting, busy, festive period of matches, we were left frustrated. Opponents allowed not to play because of injury suspensions, as well, of course, COVID. The 15 matches that followed without a win and so few goals scored saw promotion ambitions turn to relegation fears. The board were right to act. Matt Howard immediately injected a positive attitude to a group of players who appeared to have lost their passion for the game. And it was Matt who was the first to bring out the best in Will Saturio. The appointment of Richie Wellens appears to be an inspired decision. In early March, Richie immediately set about healing the gap that had merged between the players and the faithful. Even before a ball was kicked, his meeting with his new squad demonstrated that once again we were in this together. And later we enjoyed another outstanding performance against Swindon. When down to ten men for so long, Willen's men displayed the determination, spirit and character, qualities that appeared to have been lost during those dark weeks between January and February. Under Richie Willens, those relegation concerns were quickly banished. And once again, we saw the potential of this group of players. The right additions during this short summer break could transform a mid-table team into genuine promotion contenders. Thanks to Paul and Steve for reflecting the voice of the faithful throughout keep up the good work I'm looking forward to hearing the Orient Outlook podcast when this new season kicks off again in July I'm in no rush to so do that one. I'm not going to lie I'm looking forward to a nice restful summer 
So that was Dave Victor. A massive thank you to Dave for his contribution to the podcast over the season by sending us all his post-match interviews. Dave, we hope you have a lovely summer. And anyone who's lucky enough to watch your own streaming or listen to the Orient live audio will know that Dave Victor is not alone in his uh, commentary of the O's. He's joined by his right-hand man, the awesome Mr. Matt Hiscock. So we've got Matt's views on the season as well. So here's what Matt Hiscock's views are of the season. Good evening, Orient Outlook podcast listeners. This is Matt Hiscock from the Orient Live commentary team. Hope everyone is well. I've been asked to do a review of the season, which shouldn't take too long, if truth be told, because it was a disappointing one, in my opinion, mid-table mediocrity. That is signified by the fact the O's finished 19 points behind seventh position. There's no hard luck story. There's no excuses. The O's were not good enough. Over 46 games, the league table does not lie. It was a real shame to see all the inspiration and Kenny Jacket early on disappear from mid December onwards and it was a strange one really because people still today I think questioning what did go wrong for the O's we may not never know we may not hear Kenny Jackett's side of the story but it was disappointing and for me the January transfer window there was a lot of talk around it clearly clearly it didn't work out how it was intended it was interesting listening to the O skipper Darren Prattley talking around the O's changing their style after the defeat at home to Harrogate but even looking back on the results post that game there was some real thumping wins for the O's 4-0 at Oldham 5-0 at home to Hartlepool 4-1 against Sutton 4-0 against Tramere 4-1 at home to Swindon a memorable night that was and of course the victory at Bristol Rovers on a wonderful afternoon so there was plenty of positives at home but it was on the travels where the O's struggled Richie Wellens came in and did the job that was asked of him he got us away from the bottom two and at one point it was looking like a bad season could have turned into an absolute disaster so full credit to him for achieving the seven wins from his 13 games there is optimism looking forward to next summer and Richie's already highlighted he wants to bring in three or four key acquisitions let's hope those are the players that can take us forward to a promotion campaign in 22-23. Have a good summer, everyone. Stay fit, stay healthy, and up the O's. So that was Matt Hiscock, and thank you again to Matt for sending over his views on the season that was. So those were our views as a collective. Those were Dave's views and Matt's views. And as always, we've enjoyed bringing you the huge amount of news that have come in over the many games over the season and all the talking points. So thanks to everyone who has fed into our social media accounts, which is hopefully you know by now are sponsored by town and country estate agents who are hiring and supporting highly successful town and country estate agents. We are delighted to be joined, and we mention him every week, but we finally got him on to make his own Outlook podcast debut. West Stand season ticket holder, one of the directors. It's the one and only. It's the lovely Charlie Paul. Welcome. Hello, Hello boys. How are you? Nice Good. to see you. You all right? Yeah, yeah, not bad. Thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, do it. Get in there slowly, very, very slowly. Um, let's just quickly finish off by telling everybody, just because this is going to be the last one um, for, for us this se- for, for this season, really, for this summer. So um, you're offering all Leighton Orient fans and staff a whopping twenty percent off your usual fee. So if anybody is thinking of moving, keep it in the Orient family, save yourself a few quid in the process to give Charlie a call on 07528 471 
497 or you can email charlie at town and country property sales.co.uk uh, or you can email uh, send him a dm on twitter charlie underscore paul with an e on it so charlie we've heard matt you've heard dave um what are your thoughts on the season yeah uh overall disappointing really um i was one of them that was Really excited about uh, Kenny Jacket coming in. I thought it was it was exactly what we needed, um, and we started off really really well. And it was it was just so disappointing to see us fall away. You could sort of see the cracks at, at Port Vale, couldn't you? When um, you know we lost them two late goals, and you know we picked up a few decent results after that. But that's when we started becoming a little bit inconsistent. And then losing Tom James for me was the biggest. You know, was we not replacing him was the biggest. Uh, was the biggest mistake we made this season. Where did you think we'd end up in, Charlie? Were you one of those in the in the uh, we'll get automatically promoted hunt in the summer, or did you think we'd make the playoffs under Kenny originally, or what were you expecting? Yeah, I thought I thought that we'd be playoffs, um, sort of. Yeah, like just just about making the playoffs. Um, and then when we started the season, I thought we're amazing. I thought we're going to be top three. Um, and that, you know, reality slowly came crashing down as we, as we went into the winter. I think, like, looking back on it now, um, I think that the first sort of 10 games we actually, like, overachieved. I think we were always like a, I think had everyone been fit the whole season, we, we probably would have been like sort of six. We would have been Swindon this year, I think. We just sort of just snuck in. Um, and then, yeah, and then it, it just disaster, and we just we just couldn't get going. Obviously, those those COVID games didn't help, but it's not really an excuse. We we just never we never replaced James, um, and we just we didn't get going at the start of year the start of the year, and and then that was it. Once you're in a rut, you find yourself difficult to get out of it, didn't you? And we'll never really truly know the, um, the right time to sack Kenny Charlie. Were you happy to see him? Not you'd ever be happy to see manager lose his job, but were you was it the right time for you to see Kenny Jacket? Yeah, yeah, something had to happen. At that at that point, there was just no going back. I mean, that I think there was was that Hartlepool on the Tuesday night. I think there was Bristol his Road, last yeah. game. Oh, Bristol Road, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. It was time was time. There was, there was just no going back. Although they in the second half they put up a bit of a fight. It just it, it just wasn't happening. And um, frustratingly, hindsight had been a wonderful thing. Had we had done that three or four games before, then the last few weeks of this season we yeah. might have had something to play for. But um, but listen, I'm 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 happy the season's over because it was it was just a frustrating one. Um, but the last few weeks since Richie Wellens has come in, I'm just so looking forward to the next season. Um, I, I agree with him that we've you know the, the the basis of the squad is there now that Tom James has signed up. I, I'm I was the belief that out of Tom James, Theo Archibald, and Raul Saturio, Tom James was the most important one that I wanted to sign. Next season, I thought he was. If, if we can, if we could get him over the line, I could easily give up the other two um, because he's just he's just class. So this this division, he was so important for us at the start, and even on um, last Saturday when he came back, you know, he, he crossing the first half, put it right on Paul Smith's head, and it's just that's just exactly what we were missing in those winter months. How many more players do you think we we need really? Because We've got obviously quite a few out of contract. We haven't covered that bit yet in this podcast, but you obviously know the main the main names of those who are out of contract that have been off a contract. Are you assuming that they all signed? Do you think we we need what, three, four, five 
six? Assuming they all sign, I think three or four permanents. Um, and I think we'll see a couple of loans like like we have done this year. And I think that'll be, I don't, I, I highly doubt we'll see any more than half a dozen come in. Um, I mean, uh, we've got arguably the best keeper in the league. Definitely, in my opinion, the best right back in the league, Tom James. Um, you know, Paul Smith, that could dominate this league on his own. Harry Smith and Drinan have both scored north of 10 and should have had more this season. So the basis of the team is there. I think Prattley will be good for the experience. I don't think he's got 46 games in him. I think we'll see another centre mid come in with Clay um, so that, that Richie can rotate it a bit more. I don't see Prattley playing 46 games. Um, but a good player to have in there to rotate it and in the dressing room as well. So I think we'll, we'll, see, we'll see four to six come in, including those. Do you think promotion is uh, achievable, Charlie? Obviously, the summer just gone, we were all thinking Kenny would be the man to take us up. So, you know, I think we've all been optimistic before. But what, what, what are your hopes for next season? Is promotion achievable? Do you think it's via the playoffs? Do you think Richie needs another 12 months to get a squad of players back to, to even get us challenging for a playoff position? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a lot more optimistic than last year. I mean, I was, um, this time last year, We obviously we knew that Joby wasn't having the job, but it would still be another few weeks before Kenny was brought in. And I was, well, well, I loved Joby. Um, my argument around this time last year in the back end of the season before was that a manager surely needs the last four to six weeks of the season to actually look at his squad, build a pre-season that he wants, um, get everything bedded in, um, and then have a right go. The fact that, I think, was it late June that Kenny came in? Mid to late June that Kenny came in? It's just not enough, like, and all of a sudden we have to bring a few players together, spring it all together. It was a bit of a rush. That was the only thing I was concerned about at the start of the season. The fact that Richie's now had a few weeks, he knows exactly what he wants. He's sorted the pre-season now, which I mean, he's probably sorted out before, but he's, he's involved in that process. He's got time to, to, to get the players in that he wants. Um, I think that, that is, that is a, a mistake that we haven't made from last year. So I'm, a, I'm a lot more confident than I was this time last year for promotion. Promotion's got to be the aim. You know, with players, say players like Tom James and Paul Smith in the squad, you, you can't you can't not go for the top three. Interesting. Um, with regards to promoting your business, give it a bit of a plug. How's the uh, property market doing? How's business for you? Yeah, it's really good, mate. Yeah, it's um, now's the right. I said to someone the other day, they, they were debating whether they've got a house in Romford. They debating whether to put it up or not. And now's the right time. You know, we've got people fighting over, like especially like the first time buying market. People are fighting over stuff. You, you put stuff on right move, and you just inundated with inquiries. So it, now is it really is the right time to sell. Um, and yeah, it, it doesn't look like there's an end in sight, luckily for me. <laughs> You're in the right industry for that then. At a moment, yeah. Yeah. So before we let you go, Charlie, let's give um, you a push one more time. So you've been our social media sponsor. Paul's mentioned how to find you, but come on, let's, how do people contact you then if they want to keep it on the Orient family and save themselves 20%, Charlie? How do people do that one? Yeah, so you uh, you can give me a ring. My number's uh, 07528 471497. Uh, my email's uh, charlie at townandcountrypropertysales.co.uk, which is a bit of a mouthful, admittedly. Um, on Twitter, uh, send me a DM. That's what most people have done, actually. Some, I mean, all the audience fans that have sort of um, asked me to come round and have a look at their house this year has uh, sent me a DM on Twitter and it's uh, charlie underscore paul. I'm, 
I'm on yours, your Twitter anyway, so I'm sure you'll find me on there. Um, yeah, give us a shout. You know, everyone, it's, it's not something everyone does every day, but if you are thinking of moving, um, you know, to say thank you, we'll give you uh, 20% off our usual fee and just keep it in the oil families and save yourself a few quid and get you moving. Hmm. Fantastic. Charlie, thank you, mate. Thanks for being our social media sponsor. It's been a tremendous partnership and uh, we'll have a, a bit of a chat over the course of the summer. Yeah, cheers, boys. I just want to say thanks for all your hard work and efforts this season to, to keep us all informed. And I know them, them ones in January and February, them episodes were... Tough. You, you could just sort of <laughs> copy and paste them. They were that, they were that dismal. But, um, but no, thanks for all your hard work and, and keeping us all informed and entertained with all your content and um, look forward to seeing you next season, boys. Ledge, thank you, mate. Stay safe, be well. We'll speak to you soon. Take care, lads. See you, mate. Bye, bye. So, yeah, no, so all I was going to say was that was our social media sponsor, Charlie Paul. Uh, We have had an overwhelming amount of feedback, I think, and response to our tweets on social media over the course of the last year. We had a couple uh, that came in with regards to um, uh, uh, the end of season thoughts. Boatsy said roller coaster of a season we started with so much promise that I thought jacket ball would lead us to promotion and but how wrong was I I don't think we'll ever find out what happened since that 4-1 Swindon win it looked like Kenny didn't want to coach them and they didn't want to play for him soon as Kenny went you could see the players were trying to regain form and those vital points against Colu and Stevenage proved vital as Richie had something to build on Richie has been a revelation and I can only see us improving under his leadership next season. Point Fan TV, so the season split into three. Good at the start, poor in the middle, good at the end. Really looking forward to a full season under Richie Wenner's leadership and I think we'll have a good one up the O's. Run and ref with GC. Thanks for this, Grant. Good to see you recently as well. The good, the bad and the ugly and that's the football and the fans. So those were just a few selected tweets that we got off the back of the views of the season. So let us know if you've agreed or disagreed with anything we are on Twitter at Orient Outlook. You can email us at orientoutlook.com. We are on Facebook under Orient Outlook Podcast. We are also on Instagram under Orient underscore Outlook underscore Podcast. Like Paul said, an amazing amount of views into us this season. We are so happy to get all the post-match, pre-match tweets that we get and any of your views on the O's. It's a pleasure to have them coming to us. So please continue to give us those views over the summer on all things Leighton Orient. Absolutely. So let's move on then to the Carol Langley Flores Prediction League update. Sponsors Carol Langley are an established local business in Chingford, East London, specialising in bespoke flowers for all occasions and events. From a simple thank you to a lavish wedding or event, they can help. You can get in touch with John and the team is at Carol Langley. That's Carol with an E on the end. Carol Langley E4 or at Essex Biz. And we're delighted to say joining us for our final show of the season is headman there, John McIntyre. John, welcome onto the podcast for the first time this season. Uh, thanks for joining us. Give us your thoughts then on the last season. Evening, lads. Uh, hope you both well. Um, a usual orient season I would say complete mixed bag um, pretty standard with an incre- incredibly terrible run in the middle of it with some good bits on each side so frustrating I suppose because 
knowing what we do, that we were after Richie at the start of the season, you sort of wonder what might have happened if we'd had him from the start um, and where, where we'd be now. So, yeah, but step forward, as in we've got a good base to start next season with the squad. And I don't think we need too many additions in summer. We just need a few just to, to fill the squad out and, and make some more competition for places, really. Now, we were out with you the night before Kenny Jacket was appointed. So I remember me, you and Paul were out. We were all, we were all giggling like little schoolgirls <laughs> on the fact that Kenny Jacket was going to sign for Orion. So what were your expectations in, John, going into this season? Because, you know, we had loads of tweets saying King Kenny was the man to take us forward. What were you thinking when the season began? Because I think it's fair to say most of us expected that we would be up there or thereabouts. Yeah, I, I put a bet on us to win the league, to be honest. Um, but I was thinking like playoffs minimum um, with with uh, the experience that he had, but also um, in the back of your minds, things that some of the Pompey fans were saying from when he was there, um, some of the issues that they were they were talking about did obviously have put a little bit of doubt in your minds, but. All in all, he was a bit unlucky as well. You know, th- things didn't go right. We had terrible injuries to key players. So things could have been a lot different, even uh, even if he, if he was still there and we hadn't had the injuries, I think. We departed company with Kenny Jacket. The kind of love affair ended pretty soon. Uh, well, do you think it was soon enough? It was fe- late February before he was relieved of his duties do you think he should have been relieved sooner or do you do you think he should have been given more time what what camp or where did you sit on that it's a difficult one because again like with the injuries that we sustained and um over the christmas time you know with clay and um james people like that they were key players but uh i did think probably he went on a little bit longer than he should have done to be honest with you um and it felt a bit sort of deja vu from from what happened with Ross. Like they give him the window, and then two weeks later he's gone. So mm. I think there's lessons to be learned for the for the um, the board going forward with these when you the time you know when you get rid of somebody. And what are your views on Richie Wellens? Obviously he's come in. We had a pretty straightforward end to the season. Like we were never like really in a relegation battle towards the end of it, which we're thankful for. What what are your views on Richie, John? Yeah, I like him. Um, very outgoing. Um, seems to really want to connect with the fans, um, which is what we all want. I think that's one thing that Kenny wasn't so good at. wasn't one of his strong points, but from what from what you can see, everyone seems to be buying into him. Um, so yeah, I, I really like him, and I'm, I'm excited for next year. I really am. I think, like I said before, if we can get three or four new signings in, get the uh, out-contract players to sign as well. I think we'll be looking in good, in good shape and hopefully they can get the business done early as well so that we're not sort of last-minute dot-commers like we normally are. With regards to next season, obviously Richie's had a few weeks and a few games to get his ideas across to the players. He's now got a summer where he's able to kind of not necessarily reshape the squad like uh, Kenny did last season because obviously we've got quite a lot of players under contract. We've got a lot that have been offered new contracts. Obviously, Tom James has signed. Are there any others that you would really like to be seen signing their contracts in, over the next couple of weeks, few weeks? I feel, yeah, all of them. 
you, all you want all of them to stay, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they wouldn't be offering them a new contract for nothing. So, like, Richie obviously wants them, and I'll, I'll put my trust in Richie. So I think, you know, all of them I'd like to sign. I hope like, we'll, we'll especially, because mm. um, I think he, towards the second half of the season, it's been great to see one of our own actually coming through and doing, getting an opportunity and, and taking it, scoring goals. And if he stays, I think we've, he's got a good season ahead of him next year. He can really kick on. So, yeah. And what are your expectations for next season, John? Like we've obviously got Richie in the building. Tom James has signed a two-year deal that the club seems to be pushing in terms of to get everyone excited for next season already. I mean, what are your what are your expectations? Where do you think the overall end up next season? Um, definitely the playoffs again. We have to. We have to. That has to be a bare minimum. You know, a, a club like us, we should be in League One. We know it's difficult to get out of League Two. We've been in it enough years. Like as well um, but yeah I think we should be pushing from automatic really top three um, because as, as I said we've got a good base this time there's no excuses I don't think going into next season you know the three or four players they need to bring in they've not really released many people so the squad's going to be quite similar they've played together for the season and I think as long as we're lucky with injuries this year then there's no reason why we can't go straight up Straight up to autos. Yeah, I think so. I think so because you look at the teams that have come that have come down, um, like the Doncasters. They're in financial difficulty, so I'm not sure what their budget's going to be like for next season. AFC Wimbledon are a small club as well; they haven't got loads of money. So you know, it's not like there's really big teams coming down. Hmm. So I think it, it puts us in the in the. Uh, in the hunt, really, for the top three. But there's no reason why we shouldn't. It'd be an interesting one. And as you said earlier, uh, with the additions that he makes above and beyond who sign their contracts, it'd be an interesting an interesting summer. So, John, you've been the sponsor for the Hero of the Week and the Prediction League over the course of the... Um, uh, of the uh, of this season, um, just give a give Carol Langley a bit of a plug. Um, how's how's business been for you over the course of the last twelve months? Yeah, it's been really good to be honest. We've been pretty fortunate. Um, people have had disposable income, so like they've been spending their money really well, and we, we're very fortunate in our location. It's a very well supported um town centre as well. So the locals are really good. They do they, they do stick to their local shops which which really helps us a lot. Um and our our new website has really grown really well in the first sort of what we now eighteen months since we've had it. So uh, that's been a big plus. And then we've obviously we've had some good business off of the O's fans as well. Um through sponsoring the, the uh prediction league and the Hero of the Week which has really helped us. And uh, big thanks to everyone who supported us really from the club's been great that's great to hear John so before we let you go in, let's give it a push then so if people want to find you where can they find Carol Langley like on social media and actually on my street where, where can you be found yeah so we're in Station Road in North Chingford um, and we're on Instagram we're on Twitter we're on Facebook um, and you can go straight on our website on Google it's www.carolangley.co.uk or like as um, Charlie said, a lot of people have DM'd us straight from the Orient as well, just on Twitter, you can do that. Or you can just give us a call um, on 0208 529 4130 and we're there six days a week. So. 
Fantastic. We've got uh, we've got to get some information over to you so you can do the monthly spot prize awards, which we will we will do now the season's over. But we want to say a huge, huge congratulations and well done to Adam Crawford, who is at Wadsey, who actually won the prediction league this year with uh, I think it was a whopping was it thirty two points. Thirty six points. Thirty six yeah. points. It's just an unbelievable amount. Yeah, he fantastically well, so we'll get that price sorted. So, Mr. McIntyre, lovely to have you on the podcast. Thanking you for all your help this season in helping to push and to sponsor us. And hopefully, John, see you in the South Stand in August, my friend. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, thank you, boys, as well. Really appreciate it. And um, it's been a good first year um, being part of the podcast and that. And um, hopefully, we'll do another one next year. That'd be fantastic. Absolutely. Speak all to you best, soon. John. Thanks, John. Best Take care. See you, mate. So that was John McIntyre from Carol Langley Florist. We are so proud of our of our sponsors and to have them on. So thank you to to John and to Charlie for joining us this evening. So let's quickly. We are at an hour fifty, hour forty seven. So let's just quickly catch you up on the past week and we'll start with Tuesday the 10th of May and the club announced they are spending a week of pre-season in Portugal's Algarve. The O's will head to Moncarapacho in Portugal's Algarve on Saturday the 2nd of July returning the following Saturday the 9th and they're looking to play two friendly fixtures while they're there. Yeah, so lots of people already trying to make plans to get out there. I think Barry Twin has set up a WhatsApp group. He tweeted us in the week. So if anyone wants to go to that one and is looking to go with fellow O's fans, give at Barry Twin a follow and he will get you into a WhatsApp group. I think there's 20 fans in that group. We're all looking to go there. So have fun if that is what you were doing. But Tuesday wasn't only a Portugal announcement, as the club also announced, it's retained and released list. So we have they have offered contracts to Sam Sargent, Tom James, Rossi Tiriu, Darren Prattley, who has triggered an automatic extension following his appearances, and Adam Thompson, Matt Young, and Reese Byrne, with those three players all having a contract option in favour of the club. For me, I was quite surprised to see Sam Sargent got off the new contract, mm-hmm. you know, honestly. Like he loaned out to Barnet this season. Reese Byrne has been on the bench for most of the season. I'm surprised to see Sam get off of the contract. Although saying that, Sam's still a fairly young man who's never really had a full shot. He has the number one, apart from a couple of years ago when he was literally a late teenager. So slightly surprised with that one. But Tom James, no surprise. It's a two, no surprise. And Prattley Thompson, Young and Byrne, no surprises for me. What about yourself? So just on Sam Sargent, some people have made some pretty good points. If you're Sam Sargent, would you sign that contract knowing that really your career is not very long and he's not played, as you've just rightly asserted, that he's not played many first-team games? Would you... I guess it depends. You know, you only know this if you're Sam Sargent or Sam's agent as to know who else is coming in for you and whether you're going to get first-team opportunities elsewhere. Do you really want to be a bench warmer for most of your career and not get that experience? Because Lawrence Vigaru doesn't look like he's giving up the number one shirt anytime soon. But no, Vigaru signed a two-year deal, didn't he, in, the, um, in last summer. Last so summer. Vigaru's got a year left. So yeah. he might be playing a long game, potentially. Who knows? We will see on that we one. We absolutely so, will. But I agree with you about the others. Offered. Two contracts not offered were to Callum Riley and Anthony Papadopoulos, who have both been released from the club. I guess no surprise with Callum Riley, although I think something's happened there. I've got to be honest, we signed him from a League One club. 
uh, and he barely played under any managers and everyone thought he was injured. But then obviously mm. he came out recently and said, I've not been injured and was loaned straight away to Solihull Moors, who might yet still get promoted uh, from the playoffs in the conference. So no surprise to see Callum Riley lead the club. Barely saw him, so I've got, got absolutely no news on him. Anthony Papadopoulos, now I can say his name correctly, I'm a bit uh, <laughs> annoyed that he's leaving the club. Mm. But, you know, a good youth player, obviously they might have looked at players in his position because he's obviously a defensive central midfielder and gone, mate, like, we just can't accommodate you in there and we'd rather go with someone like Matt Young who's made more progress than you this season. So only two players being released. I thought there might have been more. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think Callum lives up in the West Midlands or over that kind of way. So obviously his non-relocation has probably impacted his ability to settle in his injuries. Um, and obviously there was some sort of personality or something like that because, um, you know, he didn't play under Kenny and then he didn't play under under Richie either. But they say you should never fall in love with, uh, with loan signings either. So, you know, Lincoln have got... Uh, uh, Theo back and and Millwall have got Alex Mitchell back, so I'd very much like to see them to uh, return to us. Um, but we've had some academy players that have been offered professional deals, as Jeff Tatanga, Harrison Soji, and Emmanuel Harvest, who we hope has recovered from his injury from the match the other week, um, and hopefully he's doing well now. Quite a lot contracted at the club, as you can probably imagine. Won't list every single name, but um, looking pretty decent. Not as much of a rebuild as one might think. No, I mean, out of all those players, I mean, there's, like you said, there's quite a lot on the contract to the club list. If any players are going to leave, they're going to have to be bought out of their contract or released by the club, which is going to cost them money. So, I yeah. guess like Richie said, only three or four, he reckons, will come in. Maybe a few good contracts go out, I guess, depending on bids or other contract offers. I guess we'll see what happens. We actually had quite a lot of views uh, off the back of the retained and releases on Tuesday. Ethan Newman tweeted us. And said, would love to see Tom James and Morel sign on the dotted line. And it would also be great to see Theo back. So, obviously, Theo was in the supporters club last Saturday. Everyone would have seen that video. If not, go and find it on our Twitter timeline. It was tweeted to us by at Wadsey of Theo talking about the potential signing um, in the summer. Where he didn't say he would. But, but he didn't he say he wouldn't. He ruled it out as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, Hugh PTD Davies said, I want Mitchell to stay. Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with Alex Mitchell. Record blew up. So as Richie basically announced last week on the Iron Hour, no surprises, although originally thought Thompson and Sarge could move on. Don't think we'll keep all seven, though, who we've offered deals to. I'd expect three or four to stay. Molly Folly 2019 said, if anyone thinks that squad is good enough with just three or four additions, they are in cloud cuckoo land. A squad padded out with inexperienced youngsters or non-entities such as Coleman was a complete waste of 80k. Who do the board think they're kidding? Kid Samson O's are disappointed that so many of our entirely inadequate midfielders seem to be staying. Hopefully there will be still some scope to bin off Kipriano and Coleman and our play with genuine potential such as Obiero and Young to have minutes alongside the likes of Clay and Brown. Wilco 300 said Papadopoulos looked decent in the youth side last season but hasn't been able to get himself on the bench too often so probably best he goes and plays football. I think Sarge should do the same for his own career. I'd like to see all those offered contracts signed. Yeah, Patrick won flood. So I always thought Papa Papadopoulos had a bit of promise. Perhaps never got enough game time. be interesting to see who actually stays for next season and who the club bring in. 
Bogstolix1 said, no surprises there, to be honest. Sarge needs to get away to get some football, and I can't see Ruel signing, but the rest should sign. Ron Sampson, 15 so I thought Papadopoulos looked a good prospect. He wasn't given a chance. I'm glad Matt Young has been offered a contract. He is going to get better and better. Brant Rucker, Rucker SC said, it said that every battle is won before it's fought. This great game is 100% about the quality of the players on the pitch. Safe bets. Please, board, spend the money on the proven talent. Theo, Ruel, Tom James and extend Drynan right now. Martin Ling, I have faith in you to get it done. Yeah, so those were all the comments around Tuesday's retained and release list. We're going to skip now to Friday the 13th of May. This day was eight years ago that Orient beat Peterborough United in the playoff semi-final to Griffin Road to reach Wembley in a match that we will always, always remember. The club also announced that Tom James had signed a new two-year deal with the O's, keeping him at the club until the summer of 2024. Tom said, I can't wait to come back, fighting fit for next season. I really enjoyed the start of the season and the injury was really frustrating, but I'm ready to get going again now. Richie Welland said, technically, he's a really good player, but, uh, but he has a good footballing brain too. He may have only trained four or five times, but we expect him to take pre-season as a duck to water and really fit in with how we want to play. Crucial signing for the club, that, isn't it? Um, his qualities are known to us. He's cr- you know, crossing free kicks, assists. He's certainly going to be one to contribute to us going up. Yeah, you'd imagine to be a big part of the uh, of the first eleven next season, all being well. So yeah, good goals, assists, good defensive talent, and we've missed him since he's been gone. So very yeah. happy that he has stayed. As expected, we had a few tweets on this one. All very happy that he stayed. Lofc underscore Ed. So thank you, Tom, for staying with us. Quality player. What a fantastic start to our summer recruitment. Ian Hutchinson zero eight said absolute Rolls Royce of a right wing back. Great tweet. Paul underscore LT2P is an excellent player and was missed when injured. Jack Will 2310 said one of the most crucial signings of pre-season. And I think, bit of that brings everyone up to date and that is us done. So at almost a two-hour mark, let's wrap up this bad boy. So fantasy football update. There's one week of this one left. But as it stands, Jack Merritt is top of the Orient Outlet podcast Fantasy Football League. He's got 2,493 points. He's ahead of James Durkan in second place on 2,444 points. So he's 49 behind Jack in first place. So it's still a bit of game time and a big week coming up in that one. I'm in 169th place out of 315 players. So a massive thank you to everyone who has played our Fantasy Football League this season. I'm sure we will do that again next season. So keep your eyes open for that one. Absolutely. Well done to everyone who does that. So let's move on then to the positives and the negatives um, this week. I'll crack on with the positives, the impact that Richie Wellens had uh, when he came into the club. Uh, The signings of Tom James, Paul Smith and the loan signing of Theo Archibald in the summer and now the subsequent re-signing of Tom James. And our final league position and goal difference. I think it's fair to say, although it's lower than what we expected this, t- you know, at the start of the season, it's bit much better than where we thought we'd end up four months ago. So, huge positives to draw from that. Yeah, so the positives of the season, the negatives of the season. First of all, no surprise, it was the failure of Kenny Jacket. 
we were all disappointed with the way that one that turned out. The second negative of the season was the injury list. So we lost some crucial players at crucial times in the season. So Tom James, who has already been mentioned quite a lot, Craig Clay, who was a big miss, and Paul Smith was in and out of the team. I mean, it was almost like a joke on this podcast until February <laughs> about him doing somersaults and not going on honeymoon and whatever. Like, but in the last two or three months, he's been absolutely mustered. So it's pivotal that he stays fit. The last negative of the season was the January transfer window that. You know, we've mentioned a lot on this podcast. It's been mentioned a lot in views as well. So three negatives, three positives. So before we finish this one, it's time to announce the winners of our end of season Twitter polls. Absolutely. The first poll we did in the middle of the week was the goal of the season. Our four nominees were Ruel against Bradford, Harry Smith against Sutton, Paul Smith against Rochdale and Paul Smith uh, another contender for his goal against Barrow. And delighted to say the runaway winner with 57% of the votes is Paul Smith's goal against Barrow. Well done, Paul Smith. Well done, Paul Smith. There's some great goals for this season, like Paul said. Could have easily had eight nominees, but we could only go with four. So next up after that was young player of the season. We nominated Hector Kiprianu, Alex Mitchell, Shadogi. And Ruel Sotiru, a bit of a controversial vote <laughs> in this one. Shad Ogi was leading this one on about 350 votes with about two hours left. Yeah, There was an influx of votes in the last two hours. I think this has appeared on some kind of Millwall forum somewhere. But we had another 300 votes very late in the day. Most of those all went to the winner with 50% of the vote. And maybe somewhat of a surprise winner, but we have to go what the Twitter poll says. If you're on the Outlook podcast, young player of the year is Alex... Mitchell, so well done to Alex. Well done, Al. Very pr- pleased with that one, even if there was a slight skewing uh, of the voting. <laughs> but you're a popular young man. We take nothing away from you and the efforts that you put in last season. Our third away, uh, sorry, our third award is match of the season. We put forward Swindon at home, the 4-1 win just before it all went sour for us. Swindon away, the 2-1 win under Richie Wellens. Bristol Rovers away, the 3-1 win, and Hartlepool at home, just for the pure scoreline of it being 5-0. Yeah, and and this one was quite a considerable majority vote in this one. The winner with 50% at the back of 318 votes was Swindon at home, the 4-1 win, an amazing game to be at. Again, we could have had a lot more nominations on that. Harrogate away, 3-0. Oldham, Oldham at home, 4-0. 4-0. Sutton at home, 4-1. So yeah. Big, big score in Exeter at home, 3-0. But well done to Swindon at home. And our final award of the season goes to our player of the season. The nominees were Theo Archibald, Omar Beckles, Aaron Drynan and Lawrence Bigru. There was only 3% between the winners of this one. The runner-up was Theo Archibald with 38% of the vote. But the winner and the on Outlook podcast player of the season is Lawrence Bigru, who took home 41% of the vote. So thank yeah. you to everyone who voted in our end of season Twitter poll was very enjoyable. We'll be doing them a lot more next season. Fantastic. Well done to everyone. Uh, So for the final, the very final time, a sponsorship reminder. So don't forget, for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook, or you can visit Big Ads, LOFC on Twitter, or they're on Facebook as well at AJF Plastering. For all your plastering and rendering needs, you can get in touch with them. So thank you to all of our sponsors for the support over the course of the season and Adam's support over the last three years. Uh, We've made some friends out of this as well. So there's a massive, massive bonus and we're helping fellow Orient fans to promote 
to promote their businesses, which is, is a great honour and a great pleasure. So that is it. So thanks for joining us for a very uh, a jam-packed episode 286. So that is the 21-22 season done. As always, fans have been dreaming of promotion under Kenny Jackie. And despite a very good start to the season, dreams quickly turned into relegation-feared nightmares. As winless run in the first months of 2022, so a managerial change with Richie Williams coming in to steady the ship and lead the O's into a comfortable mid-table finish. And as it stands, the fan base are all hopeful of a successful season for 22-23. And the opening signs are looking good with the news that Tom James has signed a two-year deal at the club. And hopefully there'll be many more players over the summer who are signing their new deals or coming in. And hopefully much more good news that we will look forward to sharing on you all through our social media accounts over the summer. Absolutely. If you're listening on iTunes, subscribe, give our podcast a five-star rating. It will help other fans find us nice and quickly. Give us a review on whatever platform you get your podcast from. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. We're also on smart speakers. We're on the Fan Hub app, uh, which is brilliant. So listening to us just could not be any easier. If you've got an older relative, a loved one, an Orient chum, someone that's got a passing interest in Orient and you think would like to be kept up to date with what's going on at Brisbane Road, grab their phone download it for them and pass the pod and finally just to thank everybody who's engaged with the podcast over the course of this season whether you've listened to us tweeted us emailed us said hello to us at games it's all massively appreciated we put a lot of time and effort into putting this content out each week so without people listening to to us and engaging with us we it really wouldn't be worth the effort and the aggro not that it's much aggro but we'll be back with episode 287 in pre-season with all the information and views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you over the summer. As always, keep calm, stay safe, enjoy your summer and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.